behind every curtain, someone is waiting. Someone is watching. Someone is hiding. What waits behind the curtains is exciting, frightening, sensual, terrifying, and bizarre. Curtains reveal what you expect and what you don't. They know how to make you smile. You're already here, why don't you stay a while? Kick back, relax, you freaks. They're playing all the tricks and taking all of the treats. Grab a whiskey and hang on tight. Smoke that bong with all your might. They write books, but that ain't all. One's short and smooth and one is hairy and tall. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and then drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Best buds talking book of the week. And all the horror stuff that they think is neat. Hanging loose doing ridiculous reads. Not cause we deserve it cause it's what we need. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. They argue about everything and drive each other so insane. Vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. It's vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Chris, hey, buddy. How are you, sir? I'm good, my friend. How are you today? Most excellent. I am most, most excellent. Thank you. Good. Good. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. I'm fresh out of, uh, fresh from Dallas. I was in Texas Frightmare this weekend. Mm. It was uh, insane. But, yeah, but, yeah, but more on that. pretty busy. Yeah. yeah, I was beyond busy, but uh, yeah, good. but more on that later. We're not here to talk about me. We have we have a special uh, guest to get to, don't we? We have things to do, do. and people to see. We do. Uh, this is a this is a special episode, everyone. This is bringing our summer of slashers to a close. In fact, you might say it's curtains for summer of slashers, at least for this season. Uh, we're heading into fall now, so uh, we're wrapping it up. And we wanted to make sure that we had a super special guest uh, tonight for this occasion. Uh, and so we brought this gentleman on. He comes to us all the way from Scotland. He's the author of Prince of Nightmares, and he has a new book out called Doom Cabaret. Uh, please welcome the one, the only, John McNee, everyone. Hey, gentlemen, thank you. Grand reveal. Oh, please, please, withhold your applause. Conserve your energy. <laughs> Welcome to the show, John. Really glad to have you, man. Oh, yeah, thank th you for, for having me. It's, I'm very, very pleased to be here. Yeah, I thank you for joining us from like uh, 11 hours in the future from tomorrow. So we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, am I correct in thinking I am the first Scottish horror author you've had as a guest? You are. You? Fantastic. Yes. You know, I know there's not many of us. So, but it's still, it's, it's an achievement of a kind. 
So put it yeah. down, dude. Uh, yeah, put it on the <laughs> resume, man. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, no, and uh, we were talking a little bit uh, before the show of how you and I have, uh, you know, known each other for a while, but we've never really met in real life yeah. or anything. Um, but uh, you know, we've appeared in a lot of the same anthologies and got to know each other through the mm-hmm. miracle of social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is really fun, you know, for us to, you know, to kind of sit and talk in, in person, virtually Absolutely. in person. I'm a yeah. you know longtime fan, so this is this is cool for me as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you, and I am a fan of yours as well. I love uh, a good meet cute guy. This is, this is, <laughs> this is really precious. It is. It's adorable. Uh, so yeah, uh, so you know we've we've got a uh, a slasher film. Uh, to get into uh, later, uh, but first we're going to just talk a little bit about what's going on in everyone's world. Uh, so, how are things on your end, uh, Mr. McNee? Uh, things uh, are are fine, you know. Uh, as I, I, the last couple of years um, has been, I think, challenging as it's been for just about everyone. Not a great time to release a new book. Um, I, I know. Certain people release like a new book every couple of months, so it's no big deal. But you know, 2020 was sort of supposed to be my uh, year bringing out John McNee's Doom Cabaret, which is my first uh, book for what, four or five years. A um, long time, yeah, 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 because I'm, I'm just not as um, productive as, as some. Um, it's quantity rather than well, no, no quality rather than quantity. <laughs> I focus on, you know, um, uh, is, so, this, is this a hidden shot at me or what? <laughs> no, no. I wish it was. I wish it was. You know, some people are capable of both, but no. I, for me, it takes forever to write stuff. So, um, so yeah, it, it was kind of rough bringing that out um, then. Uh, but on the writing side, you know, I've been uh, keeping on with uh, with a couple of big projects that I have, and I had quite a few anthology uh, publications last year. Uh, I think, you know, three of them, three of the anthologies I were in were nominated for, for Splatterpunk Awards. Yes, um, they were. Yeah, which doomed them because that meant they were never <laughs> You know, I feel bad for the other authors. I am. Um, Nonsense. My, Nonsense. my bio is is a, is a award-wanting author. Award-wanting author. Award-wanting author, critically reviewed. And you know that's I, I I foresee that sort of staying the same for for years to come. You know, I just I, I keep at it. You know, it's a it's a long uh, in this for the long haul, as they say. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, uh, as you said, you know, you, it takes a while to write things, so, so maybe you haven't had a book in in every year, but you do pop up in anthologies constantly. You are always working mm-hmm. on short fiction, so you do stay active. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, you you definitely lean towards a lot of the uh, extreme horror as as I have, yeah. or at least you or at least you did. Or is, are you kind of changing your direction with horror, or are you still doing extreme? Primarily sticking to to extreme, although venturing into in, into other areas. I think we yeah. kind of got a not an association, but we kind of we're, we're sort of alumni or alumnus of uh, of Bloodbound Books. And that's where I started because when right. I began um, sending out my fiction about ten years ago, extreme horror was not fashionable. Every uh, submissions yeah. call I saw said, "We want your best horror, but 
nothing, you know, with any blood <laughs> right. or you know, sex <laughs> or sexual violence. And I was like, well, yeah. what does that leave me? That's this yeah, is that's yeah. my whole wheelhouse: yeah. sexual yeah. violence and 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 blood yeah, and things. Absolutely. And and yeah. Bloodbound Books was the, about the only place that was actually interested in, in chasing that that sort of stuff. So that's very true. Yeah. So pretty much everything I wrote got sent to them, and that's how. You know, we ended up being in so many anthologies, yeah. um, and and eventually, my my first novel, Prince of Nightmares, was published by them. Um, but things have kind of, you know, the dials shifted now. Um, so where as extreme horrors become, I think, quite fashionable these days. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. it's definitely swung back into this like, you know, resurgence of the splatterpunk movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it is definitely much more popular. And I think we have. Uh, I think the audience has grown and changed um, mm-hmm. a lot where I think people want a, a little bit more of an oomph, a little bit more intensity with their horror. I mm-hmm. think a lot of readers uh, who who may not have been interested in the blood and gore before mm-hmm. are now interested, maybe not just in the guts itself, but in the extremity or the darkness that comes with extreme horror, how they yeah. don't want just another, oh, it's a ghost in a mansion. They want something that's a little more intense you know uh, along the lines of that's like or something that's what i've always wanted as a reader i've always wanted stuff that combines horrible visceral blood up the walls nastiness with some some thought behind it with characters with with twists and turns and something that, that challenges you on on multiple levels whilst also um exciting that that nerve or whatever you've got that 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 needs that you have to see something someone get or, or, or read about someone getting horrendously ripped apart yeah. um and you see with a you know, platform like like godless which has sprung up um yeah. over the pandemic the explosion how that that's had and how um, enthusiastic a reception that's received right um the, you know you know the demand is there and it's good to get this stuff away from the the grasp of Amazon, who you know would like to you know, throttle a lot of right. extreme content. So yeah, it's an exciting yeah. time. So I would love. Um, I mean, I'm uh, I, I'm working on a couple of different projects that are not totally in that. I, mean, it's a, I picked my moments because I, I started you know, doing extreme when it was not fashionable, and now it's it is fashionable when I'm writing stuff that's. I mean, there's nothing I I've come up with lately that I think I would go to to Drew at Godless and say, "Let me put this out and test mm-hmm. it." I just don't think it's right for that market. But in the near future, once a couple of things are out of the way, I would love to just put out a few um, extreme novellas. Um, yeah, and that's 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 my dream for the for the near future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that'd be a good platform for it. Yeah, Godless has mm. sprung up, and uh, like you were talking about like uh, combating against Amazon and the, their, uh, the censorship that they sometimes will crack down on, um, you know, and, and also the other, you know, constraints that they put on authors. Godless has been a good alternative, uh, you know, for, for writers like us. And then Stygian Media is starting to do a, a similar thing where they're, you know, a uh, division of uh, Death's Head Press that branched off into another company that is kind yeah. of uh, trying to subvert Amazon altogether. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I myself have uh, I still like gravitate towards the extreme horror, but I've tried to kind of go more conventional lately to mm-hmm. try to reach a bigger audience. But the funny thing is, is that 
you know, you were talking about how in the old days, like, you know, we say the old days, but maybe 10 years ago when like <laughs> yeah. you and I, you know, like started with the bloodbound books and the short stories, it was this, um, it was this fear, at least that I had, that I was like, I can't publish this. Like, no one will want this. No one will mm-hmm. want it. And then, you know, I finally get some, like some of the stories and then, you know, like body art comes out. Yeah. Uh, but my first two books, Growing Dark and Ruin Season, Growing Dark was more conventional horror. Ruin Season was more of a crime thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, well, they'll be more marketable. They'll do better. You know, body art, I just was just something crazy and fun. I wrote, hey, look, it's getting published. That'll be cool. Body art ends up being 10 times more popular than the Ruin right. Season and, and Growing Dark ever were. You know, so, yeah, there's definitely an audience for yeah, uh-huh. and, and John Wayne, you've just, you've been kind of silent on this, but I feel like you have something you wanted to say on this too. You look like uh, you have something to say, do you? <laughs> your no, I was going to say I, I don't. Uh, yeah, my planet needs me. Um, <clears throat> as you know, I don't I don't uh, necessarily write extreme uh, horror at all. I'm, I write uh, Mortal Kombat uh, slash fiction mostly, and um, <laughs> fan, fan but fiction, while I'm yeah. at yeah, fan fiction slash fiction though, because it's yeah. like I got all the sexies in it. You know, I like to put myself in there, and it's right. fun. But uh, <laughs> when valid. I'm at these con- when I'm at these conventions, people do come up and ask like specifically for extreme horror, and it's always mm-hmm. fun when they ask somebody by name, somebody, and I'm like, well, that's a, a friend of mine, or I know them, and like this young lady, uh, her name was Audrey. Shouts out if you're listening, Audrey. You're in Atlanta. She was like, I like extreme horror. And um, she was, I would say, maybe a, a young person of 19 or so. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, okay, so I don't necessarily write extreme horror. She's like, do you know who Matt Shaw is? I like some oh, of these. Yeah. And I was mm. like, all right, that's pretty extreme. Okay, I that got is, that is extreme, nothing yeah. like this that I have is anywhere near there. No, <laughs> but no, she still is very different from Matt Shaw's. <laughs> yeah. She still bought three books and, and liked them. And uh, she was very lovely. But people mm-hmm. do, and I told you, Chris, people have come up and been like, I'm a fan. This guy was like, I'm a fan of your buddy, Christopher Triana. And I was like, cool. He's, he is my buddy. And we do a podcast. You should listen to it. And yeah. uh, then he was like, oh, I didn't know you guys did a podcast. And I was like, well, pff, you're not a very big fan then, are you? So uh, <laughs> I shamed him uh, pretty hard. But uh, yeah, it's always fun when somebody, but I can attest to being out there in the trenches. Yes, people are w- walk up to the, the book tables and they're asking for like, is, is this extreme? Like looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than they're being like, is this, and you said, I don't want it. And you said, and you said this is, yeah, right. As opposed to the opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you said like, this girl was like 19, you know, yeah, she, so was young. she was, young. this is like, so we're seeing like the, these new generations of readers, uh, not shying away from like the extreme stuff. And yeah. she hadn't heard of Ed Lee. Cause I was like, have you read Ed Lee? And she's like, no. And I was like, that's oh, their next. Wow. Read. It's the next thing. Get on your Amazon phone. <laughs> you're order, like, you're get, like, sit, get it. Just get you're it. Like, you know? You're like, sit down on my knee, little girl. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you a tale. That's what he would say. So yeah, I feel like that that's he the would. right thing to do. That, that's what uh, Ed Lee would do. That's the bracelets we need. That is funny that she's a fan of Matt Shaw and has not heard of, doesn't know who Ed Lee is. That's. I don't know. That's just weird to me. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a credit to Matt Shaw. So yeah, it should probably you know that algorithm links you weird sometimes. Something in the in the power of marketing. Yeah, yeah, just somebody's name like letter to somebody, letter to somebody that letter to like. If you like that, like Matt Shaw. He was the he's the king of internet, you know, self pub marketing, you know, and it's and that's you can't true. Teach it as well. It's it was sort of just one thing he hit at the right moment in the right way, and has kept on at it you know he's been productive as hell and it's just kept yeah. on building this 
this brand. Um, yeah, you know, and yeah, he has, he has, and he's really stuck to that, yeah. that brand too. I mean, he delivers extreme, extreme stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know what you're getting with him. And so, yeah, he's definitely earned his place in the upper echelons of the extreme horror uh, uh, writers market. Um, are you, are, of, are you in that uh, anthology that he has coming out? Were, are you one of the people that's in it, John McMee? um i don't think so no no uh, <laughs> i don't think you i think you would know right <laughs> <laughs> oh god I, <laughs> I think you're the one that you're the one to ask right <laughs> i lose track you know yeah, i say i, I, I say I, yes I, to a lot of things and i think send yeah. places um various different places but uh oh, uh, no, oh yeah dude, we we've read on the uh the the bulletin boards you say yes <laughs> well, that yeah. that was actually the the men's room at that truck stop diner we were at, John. Yeah, that's well, I know, yeah. I know exactly. Oh, that's you, oh, you that's... refer to that as the message board now? Yeah, that's the message board. You know, it's that's you know the men's restroom thing at the truck stop. I hope it was complimentary. Go to the oh, message. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. oh, oh man. man, wow, you are. No, um, they, I they definitely like you a lot there. I haven't been worked um, specifically with Matt Shaw um, himself. Okay. I have a sort yeah. of uh, tangential relationship with um, Justin Park, who runs the Sinister Horror Company, who put out Doom Cabaret, and right. he does work with uh, with Matt. But uh, yeah. so we've crossed paths in anthology form before, but I've never actually met him or, or worked on a project that he was spearheading. Mm. Well, he's he's working on an anthology now that's coming out, uh, and I'm a part of. But, but anyway, my my point is is that like now I think he's uh, kind of branching out and doing more with like getting other authors together. You know, he's right. worked on collaborations, but I think he's expanding even further. Mm -hmm. Was uh, the point? He's changed the title of it a couple of times, so I think it, right now it's Tattered Broken Body is the name of it, mm -hmm. or something like that. But anyway, I'm glad you brought up. Uh, Doom Cabaret, though, because that leads us right into our first segment, which, mm -hmm. of course, is Book of the Week. Book! Book. Wow. Book of the Week. <laughs> That's right. What a time. What a time. <laughs> what a time to be alive. All right, so uh, book of the week. This week, of course, we have uh, John McNeil as our guest. So we're going to be talking about his latest book, Doom Cabaret. Uh, yeah. So, John, why don't you give us the lowdown on Doom Cabaret? Uh, yeah, John McNeil's Doom Cabaret. It's my, uh, I, I kind of call it my, my debut uh, short, horror, short story collection. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's my effectively my calling card to the the horror community um, in the same way that Ray Bradbury made um, uh, the October Country and uh, and and the Clive Barker's uh, Books of Blood you know the, this this kind of thing so it uh, it gathers together um, the best and the bloodiest of my first decade um, of of writing um, with uh, I think eight uh, short stories. Um, pulled from various anthologies, many you know bloodbound books um, anthologies, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and and one uh, original and published by uh, Sinister Horror Company. Um, so it's a uh, I don't know. It's it's stories of um, very theatrical stories, uh, or, or like stories of, of theatrics and, and monsters and. Uh, sex and violence and, and art 
artists and and and, and that kind of and musicians and various other things. It also sort of dwells in in that world of the creatives and in search. Okay. Of Okay, so that so the, the the theme of it is the creatives, is the performers, uh, things like that. Uh, yeah. You said it has it's you said it has one uh, new story that wasn't mm. published, but the rest of them were previously published. But you've collected like the best of the best mm-hmm. into this one. Yeah. Now well, are they well, all extreme horror? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, there was one yeah. that I wanted to put in there. Um, which was one of the earliest ones that was originally published by Bloodbound Books, but it was decided by my current publisher that this was perhaps a bit sort of too too extreme these days perhaps that yeah too much yeah um so which is all right um you know it's uh, i kind of took the point on it um but yeah they're all they're all pretty um uh i mean i've certainly i've i know a few people who've read it sort of friends and and family members buy who buy it and want to be supportive and then they read it and they say i was not expecting that i didn't know that you were capable of of such things but yeah um <laughs> now you said so, this that this was chock full of sexy artists right each story yeah yeah sexy yeah, yeah. artists yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that sound that's right in my alley dude i'm loving it yeah so you've got um i mean the first story babel is um it was my first uh, short story published, I think, was by um, Shane McKenzie and uh, his Ruthless um, Ooh, anthology. Yeah, um, and that was, and that's that's a tale about a, a freak show where the it's populated by freaks of design rather than than naturally, naturally yeah. born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Lord, and through a strange mm, mutual sort of combination of magic and science overseen by sally keeper of the dark secrets um and so uh that has of of just it's basically presenting to the stage one travesty against nature after another nice uh, and then uh well do you think um when you i'm curious with this when you said like there was one that um was too hot for TV. The one that mm. you had to that you had to exclude. Is this one mm. that you had published with Bloodbound Books before? Did you say? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which uh, one the was first, it? It was actually the first one I published with Bloodbound Books. It was um, Spirit oh. Satisfied. Was that one of the is, Night Terrors? Yeah. Uh, was it Night Terrors? No, it was the first DOA. I was in all the okay. the DOA um, anthologies, as you would expect, be in there. Mm-hmm. Their extreme horror series, mm-hmm. but no, this was a, a story about a, a young stripper who is uh, encouraged to, well, she's offered a tremendous amount of money to go get a private dance. And when she arrives at this uh, penthouse apartment, she finds um, an infirm old man, blind, lying in bed. And she has to, surrounded by machines, he's, he's, he's going to die. And she has to strip for him, but describe what she's doing so that he huh. can he can appreciate it. And then... Right. Um, <laughs> And, and, and the, you know, the, the, it turns out that in his uh, infirmity, he's devoted himself to the study of astral projection. And uh, now that he's got her where he wants her and is all riled up, he attacks her and she has to um, to fight him off as best she can. So it's it gets, you know, quite... Um, uh, I mean, I've, I don't have a particular... <laughs> 
It's our problem. You, you don't have to answer. <laughs> you got to like read a... the book, everybody. No, no, it gives you all the gory details. No, no. You, no, check no, it's, you don't have to get into all the details. Yeah, all, no, I, like, I don't, I don't want to say, but... It's 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 it be, it's because of this you know the sexual content effectively and it's right. it's uh, you know young women in peril from uh, a you know a psychically projected rapist and when you when you when you're tackling uh, rape in a story these days it makes a lot of people uncomfortable for various reasons right. and you want to make people uncomfortable I mean that's kind of the point it is, um, it is. but but this is why I brought this is why I was curious of why. You, you left it out uh, yeah. because, um, you know, I certainly look back at some of the short stories that I put out and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to republish that one. And not that they're all, you know, rapey or anything like that. Uh, it's hmm. just sometimes that's like, I look back and I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, this is a bit much. I'm like, this is just kind of like too, either it's too uh, gross or it's mm -hmm. too overly sexual or I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was married at the time. Maybe that's why I was so sexually frustrated. <laughs> You know, like I don't know. <laughs> but you know, it's like I, I came up reading uh, Richard Lehman and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and uh, which is which has scenes like that on every every three pages. Absolutely. And and so and, and was very very successful, hugely successful in the UK. Mm -hmm. I think more than he was in in America even. And yeah. uh, and so, from my perspective, I mean, if if he can do it. You know, I think it's a subject matter that, but I've read it some of it recently, and I was thinking, yeah, this would never fly today. No one yeah. would publish that. It's just yeah. the. Go ahead, gentlemen. I was going to say I just, I just read Beware. Like I just right. finished it, and I was talking to Patrick, uh, Patrick C. Harrison the third, when we were up at Texas uh, Frightmare. If he'd read any layman, he was like, I read a couple of them, and I was like, this, this like the way he writes the woman in that book is. <laughs> just it couldn't be more tone deaf especially yeah, because yeah. she gets she gets raped horribly twice and they're like keep the guy alive and let's help him like it's what the fuck is happening it, it, <laughs> it, i was like it, are all of the books like that because i just picked one up at uh this they, they mostly are dude yeah. when i was yeah. driving through uh tennessee and i was like all right this is I don't know. It was it's yeah. Like, you're I, right. Wouldn't fly I, today. Well, like uh, it would. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it shouldn't have flown then. Probably. You know. Well, right? I mean, probably. This isn't, but this isn't to bash Layman. I mean, he was excellent. No. He was an excellent writer, um, uh, a yeah. storyteller, he, and he definitely did a lot for extreme horror. But, but yeah, there is there is always this these uh, sexual. Um, uh, there's always a sexual extremity, I guess is, mm -hmm. is the best way to say it. it's not always rape or, you know, but it's, there's mm -hmm. always a, a sexual element to it. That's really intense. Uh, that's as part of the horror. Uh, and I think that's not necessarily going to fly. I think I, I, I approached it, I think in a more, I, I whenever I, I touch upon the subject, I, I think I've approached it in a more sensitive manner than Richard Lehman ever did. Mm -hmm. um, not to his discredit because I, you know, there's, there's a certain, time when you get to a point when you've been sort of reading sort of stuff and you're like i just want to read a richard Lehman book because it's fun you know yeah. it's just no, there's something are. about it there's They're something about the, the constant no, propulsion yeah. and the fact that he's not bound by any any feelings of no, you know no. i have to 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 to, to coach this no. or i have to, yeah, to, no. to to dull my edges but but there's um, but there's like but you know, to, to go back to what we had said, though, it's like now, like with the culture that we have, where people are demanding um, 
uh, trigger warnings on books and things like that. Uh, you know, like stuff, a lot of layman's stuff, uh, a lot of Edward Lee stuff, if they weren't already who they were, they would probably be attacked mercilessly. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I don't have a lot of them, but like I have a story that was in DOA 3 called The Bitch, which is really yes. like a novelette, right? You, you, you're familiar, you're in the book. Um, and like, I'll never republish that now. You know, right. Because at the time okay. I was like, oh, this is like a cool idea, like a rape revenge thing mm -hmm. uh, that has like a really, really macabre twist to it. But it's so graphic that mm. I'm just, I just don't want to ever yeah. publish it anywhere else. So if you want that, you have to get it in DOA 3 because you're never yeah. going to see it anywhere and, else yeah. ever again. And so. if, if you want <laughs> Spirit Satisfied, you have to get it in, in DOA. But um, when... Uh, my publisher from from Sinister Horror Company said he didn't he wasn't comfortable with that particular story and he asked if I had anything else so I sent him um, my story Dead Diana from uh, Steamy Screams another uh, uh, Bloodbound Books uh, uh, anthology and this story is about a guy who's who cheats on his uh, girlfriend with this hot bartender but she turns out to be crazy stalking him and ruins his life makes up allegations against him to try and mm -hmm. split him up from his girlfriend so he kills her uh while they're having sex in this bar and then he buries her body in the wood but she keeps coming like, back like you do like you do but she keeps coming <laughs> back from the dead and it's like creep show she just sort of turns up at his door zombie you know zombie yeah, it sounds but, it sounds like a very like tales from the crypt type yeah, thing. yeah yeah but instead of killing him or dragging him off to the to death she just continues to try to have sex with them to sort of forget what she wants because he yeah. killed her before she she got where she needed to go and then he wakes up in the morning after a night of passion as far as she's concerned which he's been forced to endure and she's back to being a corpse again so he has to go find or tie her down with chains put her in the dumper in the lake but she comes back again the next night and, um and so there's well still... this is a good morality play for men yeah to always so to remember that lovemaking isn't over until you both get your cookies yeah <laughs> but you know there's multiple rape you know, in that, but because it's a zombie, a zombie woman raping um, a murderer, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. they, you know, my, my publisher said, no, that's fine. That's well, that's well, that's yeah, okay. well, that, yeah, it is. It's a different thing. That's like a poetic yeah. justice, tales from the crypt, kind of. You get what you deserve, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh -huh. a little different. It's a little different. Yeah. So these are the sort of things you have to consider when um, when when putting um, an anthology you together. You just got to think do. about where the dial has shifted and 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 what's appropriate or not yeah it's also it's also it's uh, like i've noticed uh, i mean i've i have two different short story collections and when Gro growing dark uh came out um when with uh blue juice books we decided to omit the extreme stuff because it just didn't fit their brand so that book doesn't have a lot of any uh, extreme uh horror but then my other book uh collection blood relations does have some but Although Blood Relations has a theme of family, like all the stories have to do with family in some way or another, two of the stories are full-on, ball-to-all extreme horror, just nasty and vile. And then the other ones have some dark, you know, maybe gory twists here and there, but they're not really extreme-extreme, like the two stories. And I've had many people you know, say that, like, man, it was such a tonal shift. Mm. Uh, to, to go from these, you know, more conventional horror stories and then, boom, all of a sudden it's like, 
these people are, you know, I have this story called womb where a brother and sister are literally making a, a womb out of the, awesome. the room in their attic. Okay. Yeah. John Wayne knows that book's dedicated to him. So yeah, he, he but, but you know <laughs> um, what I'm saying then, John, no, like you, you I, see I how, like how that varies so differently from the other stories in the book, uh, that, and that's the know, first story, is it not? No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. Like, it's, no, no. Being, it's, it's early, it's, isn't it, or something? It is. It's like the third story <clears throat> in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I'm, the, it's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying the stories flow well in that book, so it doesn't. I don't think it really necessarily is super jarring, but maybe well, no, like I, you're I talking about people. That. Yeah, who, yeah. I'm just saying, like feedback that it. I've gotten from some people were like, "Yeah, I loved all the stories except for these two. They were too mm. much for me." And some people said it was too much of a tonal shift, and I get that. I can un understand that feedback. So I was going to ask uh, you, John, if uh, did, did you have to make any kind of considerations with Doom Cabaret because you were collecting these stories that were written over many years mm. um and you know most you said were extreme but did you feel like you had to like omit any other stories because they were too much or other than that one you mentioned or ones that weren't enough or anything like that oh sure there's there's, there's some that i've written that are not um i think in that when you're because it's my early writing career um and the first 10 years you don't it takes that long to figure out the kind of writer that you are what i've right tried to find with doom cabaret is is stories that all share the same voice um i think yeah. when you read a, a a collection from a a new or emerging author or the first collection what you're reading and this, this is true of like people who are very you know big now and renowned but if you go back and read their first collection they're they're just attempting so many different things different right. uh tenses different uh uh, styles, they'll, they'll, you know, write, have a go at historical fiction and fantasy and bizarro. They just, you know, try right, like right. a number of different things. Yeah. Um, whereas I think what Doom Cabaret does is it presents a very clear voice. So there was a few things that I sort of left out because I was experimenting with different right. um, styles. But, um, but no, I think you get, you sort of, you get a good handle on who I am and what I'm about and the kind of stuff that you're going to get from a John McNee story when you pick up Doom Cabaret. Yeah, I think so too. I, I am excited to read it. I know I've already read at least half the stories in it, yeah. uh, having read all those anthologies, uh -huh. uh, but I am excited to read that one. Um, I'm not going to get into it because it's top secret, but I am currently uh, reading John McNee, an unpublished work I'm reading right now that I'm very excited about. Um, so we'll be seeing more of his works in the future. Uh, mm. But right now, uh, he has something very special uh, that he's going to read for us. And that, brings us. and that brings us into our next segment, which is Ridiculous Reads. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous reads. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> Very much so. Um, so uh, we're going to hand the mic over to you uh, now, uh, Mr. McDee, uh, John Wayne. I just got to say, I was going to say, like, uh, when, uh, you know, Chris told me that uh, you were going to be on the show in our, in our text chain, it was like, John McNee is going to be on the show. He has an awesome, ridiculous read. So I've been like anticipating this oh you don't know what it is don't let oh, me I, no i didn't know it's him. a surprise we always oh, surprise each other oh. yeah, we, yeah. We, we, the we fact that he knows is a other. cheat but uh, <laughs> i am the one that's going to be surprised now oh, i assure you i didn't get this for the show i already had this in my collection 
Um, but and I'm the proud owner of, of this. It's it's quite rare and difficult to get your hands on. Uh, and do you know who told me where I could find it? it? Was Matt Shaw actually? He said you can get oh, a wow. copy here. <laughs> I know when I was looking for small it. world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I have uh, the novelization, the the British novelization of the Terminator, a oh, new nice. Arnold Schwarzenegger film written by UK horror legend Sean Hudson. Oh. Oh. Are you this. are either of you at all familiar with Sean Hudson? No. Nope. Oh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> he is. Are uh, are either of you familiar with um, Garth Marenghi? Yes. Who not? Um. What? Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. No, no. It's a comedy character. There's this this comedy uh, or horror writer. It's a British sitcom uh, from a few years back. If you're looking for the closest thing to Garth Marenghi in real life, it is Sean Hudson. He came up in the 1980s horror boom. He's still around. He's still he's one of the few guys who managed to weather the, the collapse of the UK horror scene in the 90s, and is still very successful putting out uh, putting out books um, and. Everyone that, just about everyone that I know in the, the British horror scene has read him at some time or, or another or was influenced by him. Um, well, could, what other stuff has he has he written? Maybe I he's perhaps know. most famous for, uh, well, you might have heard, you know, James Herbert, who wrote of course. The, yeah, Rats, the Rats. Right? Yeah. Well, Sean Hudson followed James Herbert almost immediately with a book called Slugs. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. I know. Slugs. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't imagine for a moment that he was copying uh, James <laughs> Herbert's style or, or, or vision or anything or even his look. You know, they look right. they both look exactly like the leather jacket and the, the glass and all this, all this sort of stuff. Um, but he had a very successful career, wrote loads and loads and loads and loads of, of, of books. I, I think the first one I ever read was Captives. And I. <laughs> which opens with someone with, with a bank teller getting a, a shotgun shoved in their face and immediately uh, loosening their bowels, which happens <laughs> constantly in Sean Hudson books. Characters are always voiding their bowels, now, either okay, so just we're before they die or right afterwards. Or full release, like a, it's full release. I think, well, it's it's what you get. You start with one, then you yeah, get the other. Get the other. It's okay. Build okay. Up and I just. Tail. Are sometimes we get people to call in that want the clarification on things yeah. like loose and, and uh -huh. you know relaxed, and I like to make sure we yeah. know. So thank you. And I, I read it. I mean, I have a love hate relationship with Sean Hudson because um uh I because he, he makes you shit your pants off. <laughs> yeah, time, no, I, I read because uh, I, I knew Garth Marenghi um first, and then I picked up at one of Sean's books in a in a, in a charity shop. I was like, this is this is it. This is what they were taking the piss out of. This this must this must be it. This is. Looked like awful, and I uh, and so immediately bought it and read it and threw it against <laughs> the wall a couple of times. Um, but this is like when I was a teenager. This is long before I ever sort of started writing or trying to sell writing. But it stuck with me because I was like, this guy's a a really, um, really, really successful author, and it's terrible. And God, if by God, if he can do it, then so can I. You know, I found it way more inspirational than reading any of any quality literature. Right. You, know, like, you read you read Clive Barker, you just want to crawl in a hole and die. You're like, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Sean Hudson was was like, you know, gives you the sort of energy that you need to go, well, if he can do it, so can I. And I, since if then... this fucking hack can do yes, it, I right. could do it. Right. Obviously, I was a teenager then. 
I've since written a lot, a lot of a lot, and my 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 opinion of Sean has has changed quite considerably. I now see a lot more value in what he does and, right. and how. But I but I do is. know I do know what you're talking about though, because of course you know Herbert had the rats, which is still a very uh, you know iconic um, uh, uh, novel, particularly in like you know this subcategory of horror. But I know Slugs was very very often mentioned in relation to it as being yeah. its cheap knockoff. It was like the yeah. dollar <laughs> the dollar store version like uh -huh. of, of rats, you know, like uh -huh. even including like like you know the Herbert has this very thing which I find a little irritating in the rats is where it's like he'll introduce a character, give a whole bunch of backstory, just have the character get killed and then it goes on to the next scene. Yeah. Uh which to me is infuriating. You know yeah. Uh, yeah. but um but apparently slugs does the same type of thing. Oh, exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know, the, the I think someone uh, it starts off with a a, a homeless guy because they always love to kill off homeless people as well in Absolutely. these 80s books. Like, yeah. So, yeah. God, it's just awful. And and a homeless guy <laughs> rooting through uh, like rubbish bins behind a restaurant. He finds a, a head of cabbage that's been thrown out and eats it, not realizing it's full of mutated slug eggs. <laughs> and so you get about 10 pages of this guy and his life and all the tragic things that have led him to become homeless before right. he goes into a house and then dies just, from a bunch of slugs yeah. exploding yeah. out of his stomach. Right. Um, yeah, I hate no, that shit. I hate that shit yeah. in a story where like you, they give you this long backstory of a character, and then yeah. boom, just killed. And so it's like, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, I'm anyway. saying all that. <laughs> I've said all that to say that you. So you, you've not read Sean Hudson, and in spite of everything that I've said, and I'm going to say, you should, because mm -hmm. um, in his own way, he's he's pretty great. Uh, it, some things that he really annoys me about him is that he doesn't seem to go back and read over anything that he's written, <laughs> nor does any anyone else. Um, Jesus any Christ, are you serious? <laughs> that <laughs> well, bugs just, the absolute shit out of me. It, oh my God, I can't wait for this. It is, uh, he's, he's constantly repeating phrases, like characters are always... Uh, they, they'll they'll say something and then they'll move. They'll be chewing gum and they'll move the gum from one side of their mouth to the other. That happens constantly. Oh so, yeah. So, you know, whenever there's blood, uh, someone notices the coppery smell of blood. If a gun goes off, you have to read about the smell of burnt cordite, and it's just God, every, damn it. Yeah. Every like character, kind of every character who dies twitches once and then lays still. You know, it's just it's <laughs> right, same. Right. It, it, it's just the same phrases over and over yeah, and over and over, yeah. over again. Um, step by step guide to write more cliche. Yeah, definitely notice that kind of thing when you're reading a book. Oh, um, yeah, you know, even he, uh, even sometimes when I like I remember, and he's an awesome writer. I'm not knocking him, but uh, Bentley Little, I was reading one of his books, and I noticed several times in the same book, it's like when someone was afraid, it was like all the all the moisture left their mouth, like, right, over and yeah. over and over and over. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I get it, dude. Yeah, your mouth because people afraid. were thirsty. Well, he writes about <laughs> people that live in the desert in Arizona, so they were probably really thirsty. Oh yeah, so. it was called it was called the thirst. Uh, so oh, there you go. That's a good ass vampire book, man. That's a cool ass vampire book. Um, that uh, Richard Layman book, the the Beware. He used the word rump a oh, hundred thousand times. Jesus Christ, it was like the fuck count in Pulp Fiction or something. I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. if he says rump one more time, I might not finish this goddamn. Layman is bad for it, but it's like these these guys. They just sort of wrote so quickly, and it was either handwritten or type typewriter they're like i'm not going back to do this again yeah you know it's like yeah. you type it up once in a typewriter and and, and i'm done you know so yeah so yeah. Well, goodbye and that's, we'll move on to the next one that's true um, i think it's easy for us in, in the with all of our computers and yeah. our and our microsoft word and all our special gadgets 
I think it's a lot easier for us to say, oh, we didn't go back. But like, yeah, these guys were literally mm-hmm. on a fucking typewriter. Yeah. It's got to be, I can't even imagine like mm-hmm. how brutal that must have been, you know, as a yeah. writer. But moving um, on to Terminator. What yeah, I will so say let's get this. back. Let's get back. I, I bought this uh, because I had an idea in my head for a story that involved uh, a lot of gun battles and car chases. And uh, I realized that I had no idea how to write gun battles or car chases because I've never read a book that had any gun battles or car chases. These are things that writers of novels avoid because they're hard to write. And I thought, well, how on earth? I asked a few people on, on, on the Internet and they couldn't suggest anything. No one could think of anything. When have you ever read a good car chase in a book? No one no, had any it's, it's not something that really plays well in, in a book. Yeah. You wouldn't think so. Novelization of the Matrix Reloaded, right? In the car chase scene. Well, see, this is what got me thinking because I thought if you're go- if you want to find a gun battle or a car chase, where are you going to find one? In the novelization of a movie. Of a movie, sure. Yeah, that's the best place to look for one. So I thought, well, good the Terminator. Point, gentlemen. Good yeah. point, both of you. Yeah. The, the Terminator has car chases. The Terminator has uh, has gunfights. Um, I'll look up the novel novelization of the Terminator and was shocked beyond belief to find out that the man who wrote it, at least this version, uh, was Sean Hudson, with whom I'm very, very familiar. So I knew I had right. to get it. Um, now, after everything that I've said about Sean Hudson and everything I'm going to say, and the impression that you're going to get from reading the passage that I'm about to read, <laughs> please don't be any uh, miss, don't, get, don't let there be a misunderstanding. This is a good book, all right? I, th- I, I thought this was really, really good, ultimately. All right. Um, it sort of, it, he he strays a little better bit. than Ghost Dad the novelization, <laughs> <laughs> which I have. Heaven yeah. for Fend. <laughs> I I do have one question before you get started though. It, you said the in the UK version is the is the U.S. version written by somebody different. Is it completely def- something different or what? There's definitely another another Terminator novelization out there. Um, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, that and is interesting that there's this two one, different ones for two yeah. different regions. Yeah. I don't know what the whether it was a rights issue. You know, one one publishing company got the rights in to this market well, and then got one to the US. I think it's I think it's probably that the British one they use the word rump, and in the American one oh. they just say ass or something. Uh, there, yeah, that there, was that had to have been it, dude. That <laughs> you will notice when I Lemon, read this. I'm in Ghost Road. There are there are absolutely there's there are no steps taken towards Americanization of anything. It's not for Excellent. American audiences. All the terms are British terms, um, which is great when he's putting them in the mouth of you know, California uh, punks and, and things like this, because he doesn't really. And, and Schwarzenegger. Yes. <laughs> as yeah. well. Um, like if he says cheerio, I'm going to fucking lose it. Cheerio <laughs> as he fucking like kills Sarah Connor or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I still you know, meet you. Cheerio. Cheerio <laughs> now. Hip, hip, hip. Bye bye. Um, no. Pip. your uncle. Oh my God! If he says pip pip, that's hysterical, dude. To oh. to Hudson's credit, um, although he takes some liberties in the in the early going and the the love scene and in the the characterization of Sarah Connor, which is not great, um, he he does stick pretty rigidly to the script for the, for the, to the screenplay for the most part. And the writing is, despite all of the various sort of shortcomings that he has, the typical Hudsonism, um, is tight and it's good and it's exciting. And the action scenes like the car chases and the gun battles are written really, really well. And I would say of everything that I've read 
by Sean Hudson. This is the best book of his that I've read. And if it wow. was, an, if it was an original novel, it would oh. probably be a classic, you know. But it's just because it's, wow, it's, it's not his story. That it's, uh, but, <laughs> the, that but the writing is good. It's really, yeah. really entertaining. Um, All right. Well, let's let's hear it. Let's hear. Are, further, you, are, are you going to read one of the car chases or the or? I'm not. I'm gonna. Right. I'm gonna read something I've seen that we're all we'll all be very familiar with, but this may not be quite how you remember it. Excellent. Okay. The bottle shattered on the concrete of the playground. The last trickles of beer dribbling away into a nearby drain. Mist muttered a youth unconcernedly. He broke off the cap of the Budweiser bottle using the heel of his hand and the top step of the slide on which he sat. He downed most of the contents of the bottle, then belched loudly. Below him, his two companions, both in their mid-teens, were also supping from bottles. One of them, a t- one of them, a tall, gangling youth dressed in torn jeans and a dirty white T-shirt, was rocking himself slowly back and forth on a kiddie's swing, inspecting the contents of one nostril on the end of his index finger. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely written with UK slang. And <laughs> like that. um, that's fun. Now that's yeah. now I'm thinking this might be like Bill Paxton and his bros, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I said I missed the first youth repeated, holding the bottle up. He wore a leather jacket and a pair of camouflaged trousers tucked into a <laughs> pair of scuffed combat boots. <laughs> I almost he called the shit poo. <laughs> <laughs> Called the pants trousers. I almost, I almost fucking did a spit take for real. That was good. <laughs> Missed what? Said the second of the trio, still rocking back and forth on the swing. You shithead! I threw the fucking bottle at you. The leader told him, grinning. Who's got the shit? Asked the third member of the group. He was slightly younger. His face a mass of pimples and whiteheads. Who do you think? the leader said from atop the slide. What you got? The yakneyed youth wanted to know. Two ounces of smack. Where the fuck did you get that? The boy in the leather jacket wanted to know. The leader swigged down the rest of his beer, tossed the empty bottle at his companion and belched again. What do you care? He said. I got it, don't I? (laughs) The three of them chuckled. Well, let's get to it, the third youth urged. Hey, look, said the one in the leather jacket. The other two followed his pointing finger, their eyes coming to rest on the entrance to the deserted playground. In the sodium glare of the streetlight, the outline of a figure was visible. It was a man, a big man, and he was striding towards them. The leader chuckled, noticing that the man was naked. He slid down the smooth metal chute and came to rest beside his companions, who were seemingly mesmerised by the sight of the naked stranger. He had paused (laughs) a foot or so in front of them, unworried by the fact that he had no clothes, oblivious to the contemptuous (laughs) stares of the trio. They moved around him, eyeing him with undisguised amusement. The Terminator glanced at each one in turn, his face expressionless. He looked as if he'd been hewn from a lump of granite. It's a cliche. <laughs> nice night for a walk, the leader chuckled. Even from a lump of granite. <laughs> <laughs> the other two joined him in his laughter. Terminator did not move. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> nice night for a walk, he repeated, his voice monosyllabic, devoid of any inflection. The youth in the leather jacket looked him up and down. Wash day tomorrow, huh? He sniggered. Nothing clean, right? The others laughed. Nothing clean, right? Terminator said. He's whacked out, said the acneed youth. Hey, man, what you been dropping? Acid? You shooting up or what? <laughs> Terminator ignored him. <laughs> Whatever he's on, it must be pretty hot, the leader said, smiling. He's really out of it, dumb fuck. He spat at Terminator, the globule of mucus missing his bare foot by inches. The big man turned to the youth in a leather jacket, fixing him in a penetrating stare. Your clothes, he snapped. Give them to me. The youths sniggered. Now, Terminator repeated, more insistently. He took a step towards the tall youth. Now. The second youth moved back slightly, his face darkening. Fuck you, asshole, he sneered. Even if he had realized what was going to happen, there would have been little he could have done to prevent it. <laughs> Terminator's right arm shot out like a trip hammer, the huge fist catching the tall youth full in the face. The air filled briefly with the sound of splintering bone as the pile driver below shattered the boy's nose and part of one cheek. The impact sent him hurtling backwards, blood spilling from his ruined face. His body jerked once, then lay still. Overcoming his initial shock, the leader reached for something in his back pocket. There was a loud swish and click as he brought the switchblade down, slashing at Terminator's side. But the big man moved with lightning speed, gripping his assailant's wrist in a vice-like grip, squeezing harder until he felt bones crumble beneath the force of his hand. The youth screamed in agony, white-hot pain lancing down his arm. The knife fell uselessly from the twisted limb and clattered to the ground. Yet still Terminator squeezed, his face impassive as he lifted the boy up until the tips of his sneakers were scraping the tarmac. The youth found himself looking straight into his opponent's eyes, and he saw not the slightest flicker of emotion there. <laughs> he clawed at the arm which held him aloft, but his efforts were in vain. Terminator jerked harder, lifting the boy clear of the ground. Simultaneously, he drove his other hand forward, slamming it open-fingered into the boy's stomach just below his sternum. Like steel probes, Terminator's thick digits tore through the boy's stomach wall, closing around the slippery coils of intestine beyond. The youth uttered one last liquid gurgle, and then his head fell forward. Terminator ripped his hand free, dragging a handful of the boy's entrails behind him. He held the gutted body a second longer, then dropped it, ignoring the stench of viscera and the coppery odour of blood which assaulted his nostrils. <laughs> yes, you nice. held it. Terminator moved towards the acne youth who was cowering nearby, tears of fear and desperation coursing down his spotty cheeks. He was kneeling before Terminator, who looked down on him with disinterest. The boy began to shake his head, mouthing silent entreaties to the large man. It was over in seconds. Terminator gripped the boy on either side of the head and, effortlessly, twisted his head as if he were undoing a bottle. There was a strident snap as the spinal cord was broken, the boy's body falling forward, the head now turned completely around, facing backward. His body twitched once, then lay still. The big man did not pause, 
he moved to the second youth and began expertly removing the clothes from the corpse. High above, another loud clap of thunder shook the sky. There you go. Very nice. <laughs> I, I, both, I have great. to say, I, yeah, I, I very much appreciate the uh, American accents, and I am also <laughs> deeply offended so you know, um, you know we'll have to figure that one out later <laughs> no that was great man was that, was that was great was oh, that was very fun <laughs> and, and, and amusing scene like like you were saying how it's not really written with american slang but at the same time it's not poorly written at all like uh and like particularly when you get to the terminator actually attacking the the, the youths it's it's very gory it's very visceral yeah. 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 No, he knows what. I mean, he, he has talent yeah. for that kind of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. No, it was that was really good. That was really <laughs> good. And and your performance of it was top notch. I really enjoyed. It was it. A lot oh, of thank you. You added <laughs> a lot of a lot of color to it. All right, gentlemen. I guess that brings us into our our main segment. Um, and this is our this is the last one we're doing for this season. Bon voyage. Uh, this is Bon Voyage. This is Curtains for Summer of Slashers. Last one. Yeah, you had one last one last scream. One last Richie in there. <laughs> yeah, Shouts out to Reinhardt. Oh, man, if that's the last Richie, I'd be so grateful. <laughs> it won't uh, be. It won't be. be. Last it won't Richie be. for now. I know it won't be. <laughs> Till I work it into the next theme theme we have. <laughs> yeah, I know. You'll, you'll, you'll say it before we finish this episode. Um, oh, man. <laughs> Nick P. and Richie were hanging out with me. <laughs> there uh, we, we go. go. We got yep. it done. We got out of the way. Yeah. Chris, did I tell you I talked to Roy? I tell uh, you that story? No. Well, do you mean like a cosplayer, or do you get? No, I talked to Tom Morgan. I talked to Tom oh, Morgan dude, for a no while. Shit. Yeah. No, you didn't tell me about this. Yeah, he was like, um, he was there like uh, in Charlotte at Mad Monster, and so on Saturday morning I went in like right as like you know they're about to open VIP, and I grabbed the lid off of my uh, you know bin that I keep all my books in that has the Roy's Boy sticker on it, and I walked up to his table and I was like, dude. I fucking love you, man. You're badass. Uh, I'm John Wayne. I'm like one of the authors over here. Like, that's my thing. He's like, okay, cool. I was like, dude, I'm like me and my buddies fucking love Roy. We got these Roy's boy stickers. Uh, I showed it to him. He's like, whoa, that's cool. I was like, when people walk by as Jason at these things, I go, boo, Roy forever. Jason, never Roy forever. Jason, never. So you, so you terrified him. He was like, all right, all right. That's pretty cool. And I was like, I just wanted to tell you, dude, before everything gets started, you're a bad motherfucker. He was like, you're you're pretty cool, too, man. I was like, I know, but you are a bad motherfucker. All right, man, I'll see you later. And I went back over to the table and uh, I was like, man, I know I came in hot. So Sunday night, a little bit. Like, uh, I said, what's up? I was like, what's up? What's up? He was cool. Sunday night, he came over to the table and was like, so what do we got here? John, you're John Wayne, really? And so then we started talking about John Wayne stuff uh for a while we were doing john wayne impressions he was saying like, i watched iwo jima in the theater that's how old i am and uh we were trading back lines of, he's uh, like i was at iwo jima <laughs> yeah i fought at iwo jima right. uh but no he was super super rad um that's and great, uh man. 
I was I'm like, glad you didn't scare him away completely. Boy. <laughs> hey, great. man, he has to know the passion that the Roy's boys have, dude. You know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you need that. And I feel like I gave it to him. It sounds like it. That's yeah. great, man. That's awesome. It was very cool. Very anyway. cool. <laughs> oh, well, I did, I did tell him about the cosplayer, too. I was like, dude, there's this guy that cosplays and got the exact marks like from the pitchfork and the thing. And then that guy showed up and I lost my goddamn mind. I was like, dude, you have to go. I was telling him about you. Jesus fucking Christ. It it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. There's another uh, Roy miracle, dude. Another Roy miracle. Apparently so. You know, <laughs> I'm just picturing him just being like, like looking for security, like as you're like on top of him. Like, I love you, man. Holy shit. <laughs> I was at the table. I had one of those kids with me that, you know, that I know. And, uh, you know, he had a lady with him and, you know, she was like, oh, that's fine. He liked they're fine. Because uh, I did double check later. <laughs> it's like, so anyway, uh, sorry. All right. Very good. Reset. Reset. <laughs> Uh, oh, I love so, you're, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to be clear, you're you're you've retired to the Corey Hotline, or what's happened with that? Kind of. Uh, kind of. Yeah, it's just the show runs so long, or anyway, and a lot of the t- a lot of the calls we get is just like the same people who just started nah. to think they were part of the show, and we're yeah. just like, I'm going to do my skit, and I was just like, fuck this, yeah. So, yeah, well, we kind of I retired it. I hope when after this episode goes out and you get you know, flooded with dozens of calls about how great that guest John McNee was and how right. he should be your third co-host, <laughs> I, I would appreciate it if you could do me the favor of on your next episode just playing them all in their entirety. You know, if I think we that's get right if we get good genuine calls with real questions, <laughs> we'll play them. But we've already heard all of your American impressions, so we're going to be oh, Not that. nearly. Wait to hear my John Vernon. <laughs> uh, and we hello. Will, and we will. John we McKee will. should be on the show more. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You're quite good at turning, at turning me on. Me on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So shall we get into uh, our movie? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, uh, let's leave a space and then Chris just bring it. I don't know. Should we leave all of that in? That was all yeah, pretty good stuff. So. Okay, <laughs> cool. All, all the Roy talk. Too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, all the Roy talk. Okay, and okay, like, Roy yeah, yeah. You can't cut the Roy talk. All right, this is all staying in, people. Yeah, oh, just, good, just, yeah. Take out, just take out the empty space where we were peeing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, that, didn't, yeah. that didn't even happen. <laughs> we didn't even pee, dude. No, we don't pee. We're disembodied voices as far what as the listener knows. John, what are you drinking? Oh, you don't want to Pee. know. But this is uh, this is uh, tenants. This is Scotland's um, premium lager. Can Very I nice. ask you guys a question? Yeah. Do you ever? Uh, uh, no. Okay. Chris, <laughs> have you ever? Do you find it odd to piss in a bottle on a long road trip? Do I think can't that's do an it. Odd, odd thing tried. to happen. Do you think no. that if I was doing it though, you'd be like, "What the fuck? That's so crazy." Uh, well, no, I, I like, I, I've tried to do it, but yeah. can't manage to do it. It's I, a, it's I just can't. I've tried. I can't, yeah. I can't get it. To well, happen. you know, not on a, you wouldn't on a bus, Chris, come on. So, well, <laughs> it's not, it was, to be fair, it was the bang bus. So, <laughs> yeah. That might actually help. Cause then I can stand up. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but 
I mean, you know, because I've only tried while driving too. So maybe yeah. <laughs> while, that was, no, while I, driving. <laughs> I've done it while driving. And yeah. uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and his wife, and his wife was like blown away that that was a normal thing. She was like, no other guy does that. And I, I was, he was like, wow, yeah, I do it. And I was like, I do it. Totally and then, that. yeah, and I, I've like filled up those smart water big ones, you know. Uh, I know exactly how to do it. If you want step-by-step -step instructions while you're driving, cruise control helps a lot, first of all. But Well, it's, it's, not, it's not that I you know couldn't figure out how it's done i don't need no, a fucking it's a, it's a mind fuck dude you have to like because you know your body and mind know you're not supposed to piss in your car you're driving right so it won't it's, let yeah, you it's something about being in motion where i'm like yeah. trying and just it won't it won't i don't know it's, uh, a, it's, it's, it's like it's a dog hard. it's like a dog standing up in the car you know it's it's like that kind of thing you know well yeah. i was um stuck in traffic last night there was a, a van down the road ahead of me, just burst into flames, and so we were just what the fuck? There. Because you had to kiss? No, what? but uh, we were we were stuck there, just sitting there for a few hours, and I didn't have to go, but everyone around me was going. You would just see the window would come down. I mean, the car would steam up for a start, and then the window would come down, and this little hand would come out with a with either a bottle or a or a styrofoam cup and just tip it out. Pour it out. Would, would be, yeah, yeah, just every I put everyone. I put the lid back on it because <laughs> it's so full. I'll, I'll fill it all the way up and then put the lid back on it. And it's so hot. It's like a well, hot bottle of piss. Well, you, yeah. you save all of your urine too, though. So For yeah. science. You, yeah, you have like a whole shed filled of those, those smart uh, water bottles. P the piss shed, yes. We've talked yeah. about it a lot. Yeah, Labeled by vintage. Yeah, <laughs> it's vintage. Cro and cross uh, cross. <laughs> this is a good like year. What I was drinking and what year that was. This is a, this like is a good year. This is a John Wayne two thousand five. That's got some cinnamon in it. <laughs> it was Christmas yeah. time. It was yeah. He was drinking a lot of those Christmas beers during this time. Oh, this was his pineapple phase when he was believing the hype. Oh man! How much? How much? How much pineapple cum was wasted? Yeah, that's, uh, it, yeah, that's the thing. That's that's the semen. That's not the the urine. I know, but uh, it all came out of my urine on accident. Okay, well, I had a, I had a mix up in my pipes. Yeah, you're either peeing wrong or masturbating wrong. You're doing something wrong, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, we're gonna get into our <laughs> summer of slashers finale. Yeah, uh, there's no segue from that. No, you just gotta kind of press on sometimes. Curtains <laughs> for you. It is. It is. It, uh, uh, we've said several times it is curtains for uh, summer slashes because the movie we're going to talk about is the 1983 uh, uh, slash Canadian slasher film Curtains, which uh, was directed mostly by Richard Kyopka. I think is how you say it, uh, but it's credited as being directed as Jonathan Stryker, which is actually a character in the movie. Uh, yeah. The reason for this is that the actual director, Richard Kuyupka, uh, left halfway through filming. Uh, this was a very troubled production. Uh, the... Um, he and the producer, Peter R. Simpson, got into uh, numerous arguments uh, to the point where the cast thought the film was never going to get finished. Uh, and so he left halfway through. There was only about 45 minutes of actual footage shot when the director left. 
uh, which left Peter R. Simpson to complete the movie. Uh, Simpson wanted to do uh, to do another kind of uh, slasher film because he had a big hit with Prom Night, the 1980 uh, horror film starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, but uh, th this was conceived as being the quote-unquote adult slasher uh, with grown-ups instead of teenagers. Uh, it was it, it, so that was the the plan that they were going for. But of course, this was a very troubled production, and the movie was released to extremely negative reviews. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about curtains, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chris, can I can I ask a question real quick? Is this one of those movies that like so the other director took over? Was this where they like jammed two scripts together type of thing uh, not, that we not weren't supposed well, to or no? I'm not exactly, but this is just based on what I've researched on it. Okay. Uh, but there were a lot of reshoots. There were a lot of rewrites. Mm. Um, it Really, it was the type of thing where the director wanted a certain type of movie and the producer wanted a, a certain type of movie, and they just gotcha. clashed. They both wanted to make something very different, and I think that shows mm. uh, when you watch the movie. Yeah. Um, so not getting into too much detail or anything, but uh, just real quick, uh, we, we just do you – know, Real quick, what was everyone did did you like it or not? Um, so we'll always start with the guest, John McNee. Real quick, did, how did you feel about curtains? Well, first of all, thank you for picking this particular film um, <laughs> for me to to. I know I I feel like because I don't like slashers as a genre typically, right, but well, I don't here. I don't <laughs> think that this didn't feel like a a, a a typical slasher to me. This was. Yes. A work of art. Uh, no, it's it's a it's a obviously a troubled work of art. It's mm -hmm. it's compromised, but it's straining. It's trying to do something. It's not a quick cash and grab commercial. You know, yeah. just let's let's get in with some you know girls camping in the woods and right uh, and, and and just throw a, a script together over a weekend and have a you know mass killer come in and, and chase them around through the through the forest. This is this is something that's trying to say something and trying to give us yes. Themes Definitely. and characters and something different. And yes. there's an awful lot of effort obviously gone into it, even though it doesn't really work. Yes. Um, and, <laughs> and, we'll, but, and we'll get into all but of it. <laughs> it, it, is, it is, for my money, art and as such is worthy of discussion and study. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you did like it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I enjoyed it at okay. the time, but I do feel that um, so, okay, so I definitely area. don't don't regret watching it, and I feel All like right. I'm I, I'm better for having seen it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. And we will get to all of those points because those are all good points. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, all right, John Wayne. What did you did you did you or did you not like curtains? Well, uh, like John said, um, it tried a lot of things and try, try and try again. I, I have to say about this movie. Um, I not only did I, first of all, get confused because I was watching the Spanish version for a while mm -hmm. <clears throat> as I was watching the, re the the normal version. I started having weird deja oh, vu. Oh, so Spanish people I was are like, normal now. Is that what you're trying to <clears throat> ex say? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and uh, so... I'm watching this and I'm then I start having this weird deja vu where I was like, what the fuck? Did I see this already? Did we do this on the show already? What the fuck mm. is going on? Mm. But then I remember there's a particular kill and I, I won't spoil it now. We'll talk about it. I'm sure in the movie that like Nick P made me watch in the hotel room one time because he was oh, like, okay. this, this freaked me out. But the rest of the movie was shit. And I, and I, I, I have exactly to, what I, scene and I have is, to too. I have to disagree 
I disagree with Tim because that was shit and the rest of the movie was shit as well. So it was all shit. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I am not, we are now dumber for having watched this movie. Okay. <laughs> no, um, I, I could have done uh, something better with my time. And it show. It, we'll talk more about it shows that it was uh, okay. definitely being ripped apart at the seams. Okay. Okay. Um, I have kind of a, uh, a mixed feelings about uh, curtains. I really do. Uh, because if someone was like, man, that movie sucks, I'd be like, okay, I can understand why you would say that. And then someone could be like, yeah, well, you know, it's it's not the greatest, but man, I really like it. I could understand that too. Because uh, I'm kind of in between there. This was one of those movies, by the way, that I remember very vividly, the, the VHS box. Um, oh yeah, the art is the art is very crazy. striking. Yeah. yeah, and it and it and it does not set you up for a slasher movie at all, and you don't necessarily get a slasher movie either. So it's kind of weird. Like when you look at the the box art, you almost think it's going to be like a killer doll movie, you know. Um, but I had not seen the movie. I just remember. And- and when you watch the movie, you almost think it's going to be a killer doll movie, and the movie yeah, thinks yeah. it's almost going to be a killer well, doll. Movie. Well, we'll get to we'll get to that absolutely. Um, but but yeah, I, like I remember seeing that image a lot and seeing that box, but I never saw the movie until it was released by Severin, um, maybe eight years ago or something. I had never seen it, but I remembered it and I knew it, and like people talked about it in you know online and whatever and i was like well i have to see this so i just fucking bought it because i'm an idiot and that's what i do where i'm like there's a horror movie that was made a long time ago that i haven't seen so i'm gonna buy it uh and so i did dude you own bat pussy though i mean that's great i do i do own bat pussy you know what's funny is just last night i was watching because i thought of this when you mentioned the whole accidentally watching curtains in spanish thing is i i managed to find the german edition of um it's a two for of uh, Blood of Dracula and Flesh for Frankenstein. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. Udo Kier. Yeah, exactly. With with Udo Kier, the quote unquote Andy Warhol's mm. Dracula Frankenstein, uh, where he actually really had nothing to do with the movies. Uh, but I but those are really hard to find in the states. They they really are. They're out of print. Uh, there's a there's a Blood for Dracula, just Blood for Dracula coming out. I think through vinegar syndrome or something, but it's like 60 bucks. Uh, but I finally managed to Worth find it. one that had both. Yeah, totally. But I, <laughs> I found one that had both and it was like 12 bucks, but it was like the German import, but I have a region zero whenever. But anyway, the point is, is that I put it on and it was in German and I was like, well, no, I know it's in English, but I, so I had to like go through the menu trying to figure out, but all the menus in German. Mm. So I had to keep like scrolling through until I found the English version of which is the actual recording. Uh, but yeah. anyway, uh, I digress. Um, they don't make it easy for you. No, no, no. Uh, but uh, there's the same thing with my copy of Necronomicon, where it's like it's a ve- it's an ordeal to even like get it to play, but it's worth it because you can't find it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Necronomicon, the Lovecraft, the the final segment is what really yeah, makes it. Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, the one, yeah, right. That is uh, so fucked up and crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, I watched that immediately after having dental surgery. It was the worst. <laughs> experience of my life <laughs> yeah. yeah so you had those nice uh those nice dental drugs in you yeah yeah no. yeah no not pretty dental no, the, drugs yeah like yeah that's that's an anthology film and it's really just the final segment is really the one that that throws mm. you uh but uh, anyway i i uh, 
before we get into it, I will just say that I kind of like curtains. Uh, when I, you know, when I first got it, like I was saying, it was only maybe eight years ago when I finally saw it for the first time. Um, and I was really excited thinking I was getting this like lost slasher, but that's like not exactly what you get. Like I was thinking I was going to get like a My Bloody Valentine or something like that. And that's not what you get at all. Uh, so let's just get right into it and talk about the movie. Uh, again, this is a Canadian film uh, from 1983. So this is like the, the height of the slasher boom um, that they, they come out with this film. And again, they apparently were going for uh, a, a quote unquote adult slasher. And this is the only time that I've seen anything like that mentioned where they want, they specifically were like, let's do a slasher movie for grownups. Because I, you know, at the time it was all teenagers getting killed at summer camps and in their dreams and stuff. Uh, and so I guess that's why all the characters are adults and everything. Oh, okay. That was the only thing that different they used to differentiate it between adults and kids was like, well, we'll use adults. Well, I don't think that was the only thing, but I think their intention was that it was going to be more geared towards adults because the market for slasher movies really was right. teenagers. It, like grownups were not going to see Friday the 13th. You know, teenagers went to see mm, that stuff. Right. You know, like now all those grownups are us now. We grew up yeah. and we still like it. And there's new generations, but um, all the, the people, time, all the people who went to see prom night for Leslie Nielsen and were disappointed. Yes, like where <laughs> that's like, I thought Leslie Nielsen was going to be get chased down, you know, the, these corridors by a masked killer. And instead, <laughs> right. I'm watching these teens. Come on, give me these my teens. proper character actors. <laughs> right. No, I, which I, I respect that point of view. I want to see character actors getting chased you know, down corridors by. I mean, anytime there's more, anytime there's more Leslie Nielsen, I'm a happy guy. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. That is true. But no, that's apparently what they wanted is they wanted to do one that was more targeted towards an adult audience because slasher movies at the time did not attract that at all. Mm -hmm. It was teenagers that went to see it. Uh, so this movie starts very differently than what we get later on. Um, basically, we have two main characters that we that we focus on. Uh, one is a character named Samantha, played by Samantha Sherwood, and genre fans. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, the character's Samantha name Sherwood, is Samantha. Yeah, yeah the, the Samantha Sherwood is the is the character's name, played by Samantha Egger, mm. uh, who um, genre fans will know her from The Brood, uh, which is an excellent movie. Uh, the Brood is pretty awesome. It fucking rules. Yeah, Definitely like an un, an underrated Cronenberg film too. Yeah. Um, it doesn't come up as much in conversation as it should, uh, but that, that's that's where a lot of us will know her from. And uh, we have the great uh, John Vernon playing uh, playing the director Jonathan Stryker, mm -hmm. um, and uh, John Vernon uh, genre fans will know him from Savage Streets and uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. But he was also a very prolific actor before all of that. Uh, you know, being in a lot of crime films in the 1960s, including uh, Point Blank with. Uh, uh, Lee Marvin and Carol O'Connor. Uh, so yeah, very, very talented actor. I really like John Vernon a lot. Every time I see him in anything, I enjoy him. Yeah. Uh, and I think he helps carry this movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's breaking his, he's breaking his back. Carrying this movie. Um, and he also does have facial hair. You could set your watch to, which it's, I a, it's a good beard. It's, which it's I, like I appreciate. A, a, it's all yeah. point. There's all points and, and, and angles. And uh, yeah. it's pretty cool. And the gray and the black is very sort of finely distributed. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice peppering. It's mm-hmm. nice. And then when you hear his voice, you're like, that is the voice that's supposed to come out of a mouth surrounded by that kind of facial hair. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of soothes you. And that mm-hmm. might be how they tricked a lot of people into watching this movie in the first place, mm. which, <laughs> you know, is fine. You know, which is fine. Well, he, um, I, I don't think I've ever seen him in a bearded in another movie. I don't think so either. either. I was trying to think that. I, I've never seen him play a part like this. No, either. me neither. You've only yeah. ever seen him. He plays figures of authority, whether it's yeah. politicians or you know mafia bosses cops. or police a officers. Yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of cops. Yeah. But never seen him play, you know, a creative or a yeah. seducer slash abuser of women. You know, yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing like it, this before. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely uncon- uh, an unconventional role for Vernon. Uh, but yeah, he's always cops and. Um, um, you know, school principals. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, shit yeah. like that. You know, uh, and but then we've got um, uh, uh, Samantha Egger, who's kind of like an off-brand Ellen Bernstein. You know, uh, she's uh, been in a lot of different, you know, horror and genre films, but she was a known actress at the time. Uh, and basically, she's an she's an actress. You know, in the movie, she's an actress. He's a director, and they're trying to make. Um, some movie about an insane woman uh, called uh, Audria. Pardon me. And uh, so they come up with this. Is it Audra? Audrey? Audra. 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 Um, so that so she comes up with this great plan of, hey, I'll pretend I am insane, and we'll go before a, a the head of a, a loony bin and. I'll act crazy and they'll commit me and that will help me character act. I'll method act. Method this act. Yeah. She's this is the worst idea I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> they go in there and she like goes, ah, I'm crazy. And like tries to stab him with a letter, letter opener or something. And, uh, and so she is committed uh, to this insane asylum for being psychotic. This is a terrible idea. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're right. But then also you are then, immediately shown after that that it was a ruse so this uh, this like i'm gonna just put this out here now like if you listen to the april fools or the yeah the april fools day episode or maybe Mm -hmm. it was the happy birthday episode i called it the the fucking uh like red herring episode or the Mm -hmm. like these are all these things they're throwing out there to try to fucking confuse you right from Mm -hmm. the fucking get through this movie um and uh this is the start of it the but they, but they don't though uh, not with this one because like they you find out immediately that she was you know like you right know, they, they find out immediately the, that it was all an act and like yeah you know, but that's the start of just other things that happen that they're like right. oh not that mm-hmm. you know right the tragedy yeah. is that all the other women inmates of that mental asylum were also just method actors who had... Magu- it's the MacGuffinator. <laughs> yeah dude. they're just throwing it's... MacGuffins at you left and right in this thing <laughs> Well, that's not exactly what they are, but the, the thing about that that is that is something that I did write down in my notes while watching is that all of the all of the women that are in the, this this all women um, uh, you know mental asylum are all caricatures. They're all just cackling maniacs that don't even have dialogue at all. They're just they, and giggling, yeah. And laughing they're and either they either you've got two kinds of mental patients. There's two kinds of mental illnesses. This is what we all know. There's you're either laughing all the time uncontrollably right. for no reason, or you're staring into space vacantly. And that's the right. two types of mental illness you can have. Right. Um, and they're both yes. well <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, and both 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 you know uh represented here 
very much, very much. Yes, that. yeah, it's so. it's so it's it's a very lazy, very offensive portrayal yeah. of a mental illness facility, kind of like what we saw with Doctor Giggles when we, uh, John Wayne, when we did uh, Doctor mm -hmm. Giggles, we reviewed that one. Right. Very very same type of thing. Yeah, there's no, uh, they have no agency. They're like non-playable characters. Yeah, there's just, there's just, yeah, there's no, they don't have any. Even though, like, this scene goes on for a while. This isn't just a quick mm -hmm. opening. Like, this Ages. goes on for maybe, yeah, this goes on for fifteen. The, the pacing minutes. in this so, film is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's really off. Yeah, this goes right. on for a long time where uh, Samantha is in this asylum, and then, uh, you know, because he's in on it as well, uh, Stryker comes to visit her, and it's like, how's it going? She's like, oh, it's so weird here. And then, like, okay, see ya. And then she's <laughs> just being tickled by crazy women, or she's being woken up in the middle of the night by screaming crazy women, or mm -hmm. they're staring off into space, you know? Uh, and so, <laughs> so yeah, that goes on forever. <clears throat> yeah. mm. And then it finally cuts to, you know, the future. We don't know exactly how far in the future it is. Uh, but one I don't thing think that it's I, far. I think it's no, almost a few, a few months, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not that far. Right. Here's what is not entirely clear. Because she says that she checked herself in. Mm -hmm. And she's not related to Stryker or anything like that. Right. He doesn't seem to have power of attorney or anything like that. He just, no. He's basically just drives her there. He escorts mm -hmm. her into the place. And then he visits her. He can't, he does, doesn't have any power to check her out. Right. Like how, so how does she get back out? Presumably. Well... She said she escapes. Yeah. Well, she yeah, she said she escapes, but if she checked herself in, couldn't she have checked herself just out? Left any time. Yeah. Well, McGuffin, I McGuffin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely doesn't make perfect sense because yeah, if she checked herself in, she could, um, you know, theoretically get just leave anytime she wanted. But in that scene, like she tries to stab him, and so they decide she's psychotic, and they put her in a straitjacket and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's not too far ahead in the future, uh, but it, it could be a couple of months. It could be a year. We don't really know. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it goes forward in time and uh, she has escaped. There's a scene where she's talking with a friend and we mm -hmm. never see the friend's face. So we don't right. know who this friend is. And that's very conspicuous. It's like you're mm -hmm. thinking in your mind, you're like, OK, this is going to lead to something else of like who this friend is. Mm -hmm. Um uh, and they're talking, it's like, oh, well, I, and she, the friend says, well, I didn't help you escape just so you could be obsessed about this movie because, you know, she was going to make this movie, but now Stryker is auditioning all these other actresses. Uh, and, and, you know, so Samantha's all pissed, you know, that she's not going to get the role of, of Audra. Uh, and so we don't really know who this friend is or what's going on with that, but apparently Samantha escaped. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, leads us into, um, you know, all these other people, all these uh, these women that Stryker is apparently having some very long audition process yeah. at his house uh, in the middle of, of nowhere. Yeah, that's in the dead of winter. <laughs> that's fine. That I love. Right? This, is, this is all good. Right. This, the, the, the central premise is. Is, is 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 ideal you can't you can't fault it this sort of creepy director is have, holding an audition for this uh part that's going to make you a star no matter right. who you who gets it right instant right. star making turn invites six uh not all of them actresses six young women right. up to up to his house in the middle of nowhere they can't get away 
um, in the in, in the dead of winter. And that's uh, and there's a killer on the loose. What a fantastic premise for for a film, right? All, takes, the, all the while, the woman he was supposed to give the part to is supposedly committed to. A, yes, a right. That, 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 it's like that's that's a great premise for a film. It yeah. takes so long to get there, and the introductions of all of these female characters are so haphazardly done. They are. They're very. They're very poorly constructed. Some, yeah, like some of them get much uh, a much longer introduction than other ones. Uh, some of them are much more fleshed out. Where to the point where it's like, okay, I know the names of two of these women, oh. and like, and then like, and then I'm like, you know, the other four, I'm like, what was their name again? I don't even know. Can they're I? Like, they just rush through them so quickly. Do you know yeah. what I did? Mm. Like, while we're on this subject, I wrote them down. No, you've both yeah. watched this film. Let's see if you can identify Allegedly. these characters. Well, I, I wrote them down too. I, I did. <laughs> I did. So go ahead, though. Right. So Jonathan Stryker, we know who that is, director. Right. Right. Uh, Lorian Summers. Does anyone know who that who that was? Isn't that well? Yeah, she's uh, the dancer. Oh, well done. All right. Someone was yeah. paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Brooke Parsons. Yeah, she's the she's the Brit the prissy bitch who's like the one who's been an actress a long time, uh, not as long as Samantha. Yeah, played yeah. by Linda Thorson, who replaced Diana Rigg uh, in the Avengers alongside Patrick Leigh. Oh you. no shit, <laughs> Patty O'Connor. Yes, she's one of the ones who's featured more. She's the the, the one who's a stand up comic who is oh, okay, uh, yeah. who is finally like feels like she's finally auditioning for. A serious role. She's played by uh, Lynn Griffin uh, mm. from uh, Black Christmas. Uh, you know, horror fans will know her from Black Christmas. Yeah. Amanda Tuther. She Amanda. the ice skater? No. No, no, that's that's no. that's Christy that's the only Burns. One I know. Christy Burns, bitch. Christy Burns. <laughs> yeah, uh, who's Amanda? Like, what, is she the one, the blonde who's killed immediately? Blonde. That's all I had. Everybody yeah, yeah. else gets an actual like oh, yeah, yeah. actress, ballet never, dancer, comedian, yeah. ice skater. Uh, the other her, one, I never caught yeah. her name because she was she was she was like killed before she even got there. Yeah, yeah. they say where's Amanda? Um, and there's <laughs> that. Well, not that that helps because they also say where's Christy? Where's Lauren? Uh, yeah. And Tara DeMillo is uh, the is yes. what I wrote down was Jacuzzi Girl. But yes. it turns out she's when I looked it up on on Wikipedia, she's also a musician. I must have missed that part. Yeah, I never got that the, from her either. But yeah, I they're like... all different types of creatives. They're all like one's an ice skater, one's an actress, one's a com- comedian, one's a you know like a, a you know stand up comic and, and so forth. Uh, but was she the? I didn't realize she was the one that was in the hot tub. I just knew that she was the one with the the perfect tit uh, that the <laughs> other girl was caressing, like the perfect, yeah. like immaculately perfect boob. Uh, and yeah. then who later is running around being chased by the killer. But yeah. then we're well, getting ahead of ourselves, though. She takes her she takes her top off in the in the jacuzzi. She was the actress that the they brought one. in to show her breasts, effectively. By she called that. She played the that casting role jacuzzi. Uh-huh. So, you, are you about uh, to bring hey, that hey, up, Chris? Hey, you about there to bring you go. Up? Okay. Uh, kind of. Um, okay. I, I wanted to say, since you're mentioning mentioning the jacuzzi, uh, basically, uh, John just went through all of the women who were invited. So we've got all these women, and then we've got um, uh, John Stryker, who's the director, and then we've got Samantha, who shows up as a surprise guest, and everyone's like, "Yeah, okay, fine." Uh, <laughs> but then there's there's Matthew, who I guess is kind of like his his fucking um 
henchman like it's, <laughs> it's like, like his fuck boy henchman it's like yeah. matthew's gonna dude. be the lead guy so you will be all playing off yeah, which is basically so matthew, like all of you fuck this dude i believe what he said is john vernon uh, he says and this is matthew yeah that's, that's it that's all just, you get yeah and he the rest. Tell you what he yeah. is. <laughs> i i just assumed that he was like his renfeld you know like he yeah. was just his like assist and like which is weird because it's like you invite all these beautiful women up here and you let Matthew go and fuck them. Like, like yeah. why is he even here? Why would you have him here? Uh, Matthew, by and the it, way, by the way, I don't know if any if you guys noticed, but that was a young Mike, Michael Wincott. Of course, uh, that's this is the film that made Michael Wincott's career. How oh, could yeah, after yeah, they saw him in this? Yeah, with his that, yeah. zero lines, with no lines whatsoever. He didn't that's even check. He didn't even try to sneak one in so they could get like a bigger check. He was like Michael you know. Wincott being the actor who's probably best known as the villain in The Crow, uh, but was also in uh, Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man and, and a lot of other things. So uh, eleven years from now, he's gonna be in The Crow. This guy, yeah, this yeah. guy, that kind Well, of I mean, the guy who made the, the guy who made The Crow like was watching that and was like, "I want Matthew in this." I want Matthew. <laughs> Uh, which is apparently what these women said too, or at least at least uh, Demio did, because yeah. uh, like she hooks up with him pretty much right away. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but that's fine. Um, I think we kind of need to. There's, yeah, think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, he says that casting jacuzzi is like the casting couch only wetter. Yeah, yes. that line yes. was awesome. I was like, yes. "Fuck yes, worth yeah. it." And of course, now, now, it, now I'm course, in. Now I'm in. And of course, nowadays the casting couch is plenty wet in this day oh, and age. Oh god! But, yeah, uh, you got like yeah. castingcouchsquirt.net.wet. Yeah, you know, yeah. I sent you that link. No, I'll, send it, I'll send it to you, John. Yeah, you definitely should. <laughs> okay, do you uh, want to talk any more about is... the, the introductions of these of these women? Oh yeah, we, we, yeah. We, we like I said, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. Some of these women get an introdu introduction, and some of them don't. Some of them just show up at the at the thing, you know. We get an introduction to uh, uh, Patty, like doing her stand-up comedy routine, which is actually kind of funny. Like she was, she was actually pretty oh, good. That's nice. Yeah. It it was. I thought it actually was kind I of. I thought it was kind of funny. Kind of yeah. like that transition was one of the only good transitions of the movie, where they kind of At like you smash cut to her, and you're like, oh, oh, she's a comedian. Oh, I get it. And then, um, and I, we'll get. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves either. But I thought I also I agree, Chris. I thought that was kind of yeah. Cool part, I, I thought so. it was okay. In fact, to me, I think one of the one of the the saving graces of the movie is the dialogue. I think that the dialogue is very good. I think that the jokes, because there's a lot of funny dialogue, there's a lot of jokes. I think they all land well. Uh, I think that was probably the best thing in the movie, mm. um, personally. Uh, but um, I don't like I don't like stand up crowds in movies. I think that's my problem. Everyone's okay. laughing a little too hard. A little too much. Yeah, she wasn't that yeah. funny. She wasn't but, that funny. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, we see her a little bit, and then we see the blonde. I guess you said her name was Amanda. I didn't even catch her name. It's that quick, mm. uh, and um, that's a that's a really weird setup with her because we get a lot of time with her. Oh, do you and, want to know how much time we get? I, I, I timed <laughs> it. it. Right. I timed it right. So so uh, Amanda shows up in the bath. Um, yep. You see nothing at no, uh, seventeen no. seventeen minutes and forty six seconds into the movie 17 minutes and 46 seconds almost immediately there's a cut to a hand coming up the railing of the balcony mm -hmm. outside mm -hmm. her apartment and you're like oh no someone's sneaking into her apartment right now 
from that point, 1746, it takes till 2145 <laughs> for the guy to actually come into her room and grab her. Right. right. So that's, that's a very, that's, very long time in a that's movie. That's three minutes and fifty nine seconds. That yeah. is the entire. You could play Ryan, Lionel Richie's all night long in its entirety <laughs> during the sequence where she is getting out of the bath, toweling off, getting herself a drink, getting dressed, doing her makeup, going into her bedroom, sitting down, listening to some classical music, flipping through a magazine, finishing her drink, going back to the kitchen to get another drink and walking back into her bedroom when the guy finally grabs her. It's well appalling. Done, it, it's oh like God. watching. It's that like in Bat Pussy watching like the three minute seventeen seconds shot of the the oh. soft dick being trying sucked, which is <laughs> yeah. pulling like taffy for three minutes. It's yeah, like that. A, that's not that's a universal a, reference, but I'm sure. Yeah. No, yeah, you have to. Have, uh, <laughs> you have to no, watch no, the movie. We're talking about, yeah. <laughs> okay, well I'll do that. No, it's not a reference. No, it's that, a literal. <laughs> I'm literally saying what happened dude, in the that, movie. The, dude, just just bravo for for that, John. That was really that was really. Very well done. The fact that you timed it and then you're like, you can, you can perform John Lionel Richie's all night long. Because <laughs> it's true. It's like they yeah. spend so much time on this bitch doing all these trivial things. Uh -huh. And I might add, she's getting all dolled up to go nowhere. Uh, it's kind of like Charles Bronson in the Mandem commercial. Like, you go home to put on all of your fucking cologne? What are you doing? No, she's uh, she's getting ready for her role play evening. This is true. This is true. You find that out after the fact. At first, mm -hmm. you're like, what is she doing? She gets all dolled up, and then she's sitting around reading the script for I, you know, the, this movie that Stryker's doing. Uh, and yeah, and then we've get, we get a little bit of a, a fake out. We think we're getting this this maniac coming after her and it's one of the it's a cheap horror movie fake out he comes in there he grabs her and he's like basically going to rape her but it turns out it's actually her boyfriend and it's a fantasy it's role-playing um but then after that we get a a a, a second fake out um mm. <laughs> uh, and this is probably one of the this is probably one of the scariest scenes in the whole movie it's actually yeah. really really good but unfortunately it's, it's wasted it's yeah, excellent that, thank you it is yeah, it is yeah we've got this scene where like basically uh amanda she's driving to we assume she's driving to uh uh striker's house you know driving through the rain pouring rain and she slows down her car because there's this it looks like a child is standing in the road with her back turned to her so she gets out of the car. No one else is around. It's pouring rain. It's gray. It's it's crazy. And it she she comes around and she doesn't say anything, but she walks around and she realizes it's a, a, a doll. It's actually a doll that's standing there. And the doll was in her bedroom. Um, you know, in the previous scene where she was messing around with her boyfriend, and the doll is very freaky looking. It has this extremely morose look on its face. Uh, and then suddenly the doll grabs her almost like a bear trap, grabs her, and someone jumps into Amanda's own car and starts to run her down. And then pfft, wah, wah, she wakes up. We find out mm. it's yet another fake out. So that's two fake outs within the span of a few minutes, which too is many infuriating. Fake outs, dude. Yeah. But, but and the John, the, but, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John Wayne. Go ahead. As you say, the doll is like two and a half feet tall. It's like fucking, it is like legit big. You yeah, know, it's not like a little thing, so it's extra right. terrifying. It, it uh, this this scene though, it like 
uh, it's a shame that it was a fake out because it's very effective. And, mm-hmm. and, and John, I, I think you were, you were saying you agree with me. It's, an, it's a creepy ass doll. I noticed yeah. the doll, you can see the doll in the scene where she's walking back and forth between the bedroom and the, mm-hmm. and the kitchen. I saw it, mm-hmm. I saw these little hands beside her bed. And I was like, what is that? You know, it's, right. it, it, I, my mind was wandering because there was like nothing else to look at in the scene. <laughs> I like, so I noticed this doll in her bedroom. I was like, that is, that is, and then of course she has the scene with the boyfriend and the camera pans towards the doll, which is the creepiest thing it's (laughs) like who would have that doll who would have that of course you're gonna have nightmares but um the then we get the scene where she's on the road and the moment when it's tiny little hands clamp around her wrist i jumped i don't jump at horror movies much but i was like oh shit and i timed it 26 minutes and 40 seconds is when I decided I love this film. Yeah. And 26 uh, minutes <laughs> and 42 seconds is when I decided fuck this film. This is right. What, what <laughs> yeah, is I know it, it totally, it totally shits the bed because yeah. Yeah, it's that scene is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's totally wasted. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, Oh, it was, a, it was a, all a dream, which is like the worst possible thing you can do mm-hmm. in, in any movie. Um, unless it's a Freddy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because because it's very it's it's very well shot and, yeah. and the music is good and the and the performance is good. Uh, it's it's one. It, there's two scenes in the movie that I think are excellent. That's one of them, uh, and we'll get to the the other one going forward. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's a shame because mm-hmm. it, it because that is a really good really good scene. Uh, but yeah, she wakes up and what happens to her then, Chris? <laughs> Well, she wakes up and she's wandering through her apartment and then uh, someone in a granny mask shows up and and uh, uh, stabs her. Mm. And that's pretty much it. And it's not even like a cool stabbing. It's not no. like, you know, you watch, you know, like, you know, other slasher films and, you know, you get these creative kills. No, she just gets like, boop, boop. She just gets like two quick stabs and that's pretty much it. None of the kills in this film are creative. No, not at all. None not of remotely. them. The stabbing isn't even on screen for the most part. You get sound no. effects. Yeah. Um, that's why I think this this is not a film for slasher fans. It's not. It's definitely not. Um, it, and that's that's the interesting thing where they said they wanted to do a, an adult slasher film. It's like, well, did they mean that they didn't want it to just focus on blood and gore and they wanted it to have more story or something. Mm. And it's like, well, I could kind of see if that's what they were going for. Uh, but the story doesn't work out very well. Um, but yeah, you don't, if you go into this wanting blood and gore, you are in, in the wrong place. Uh, like you said, John, uh, it's uh, like you, you, it's most, it's mostly like, the killing is off screen. You don't get to see, you get to see the killer like, dun, 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 I'm going to kill you. And then it cuts away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a lot of cutaways. There's no real uh, blood and gore and the kills are not creative, but I do really like this granny mask and we only see it for a second in this particular scene, but we see it much more mm-hmm. later on. Um, so but this is we- where I, I thought that like, okay, what the fuck? Two different people are writing this script. Is this a doll movie? Is this a fucking granny mask right. movie? Can right. we decide? And they mm-hmm. do not decide Mm-mm. for the rest no, of the movie. No, because, and apparently... Uh, the, that's the, why I was like, what the fuck is this? They're just jamming two things together. Right. Uh, it, that took me out of like enjoying any, like, like okay, I'm like, all right, this is cool, but I'm, I'm well, out. I mean, this is still early enough where it's like, okay, so maybe they're they're... Maybe they'll tie this 
together in some satisfying way. Yeah. But not so much. But <laughs> they don't. But like you, you could still be like, oh, okay, maybe the, uh, you know. But then the granny mask shows up. You're like, what the fuck? Because like, <laughs> you know, it's a granny mask. It's like yeah. basically this this old lady mask with this long, you know, like like red hair and uh, and it's just it's, I don't know how else to describe it except it's a granny mask. Uh, so then we get to all of the the aforementioned characters, all of these different women that are auditioning for the role in the movie. They're all going to Stryker's house. And we have my, the funniest thing in the movie is to me is uh, Patty O'Connor, the stand-up comic. She stops to get gas and there's this kid who's probably like 12 and she's like, Oh, I got, she pumps her gas, but then she can't find her purse. She's looking for money or something like that. And he's looking at her ass and he goes, Hey, you know, well, maybe you could work it off. <laughs> uh, yeah, very nice. Very nice. I was like, Bud Bundy. That's the Bud yeah, Bundy line. That right is there. totally. But yeah, that's um, exactly right. That's a total uh, Bud Bundy thing. Yeah, and her yeah. follow up was. Her follow up was even better. She was like, no, I like older guys, you know, 14, 15, yeah, 14, 15, <laughs> which even fucking dogged him out more, which yeah. is exactly how Bud Bundy would get. Absolutely, like it's it no, was no that you you nailed it, dude. That's like it the was best a little piece of uh, that yeah, says it all. Good. Yeah, like no, you said it very well. Like yeah, it's a, it's a total butt buddy moment. That's the best way to say it. Uh, that really that made me laugh out loud. I was like, that's fucking funny, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, they're like all these chicks. Uh, you know, they they go uh, up to Stryker's place, uh, and they meet him and his creepy assistant Michael Wincott, uh, and then it's. It's kind of like, yeah, and there is some funny dialogue there, too, where it's like, oh, what would you do to to get this job? Oh, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might blow the guy. And then, like, he shows up, like, apparently he's been listening and he's like, well, I don't think that'll be necessary, but I'll keep it in mind. You know, mm-hmm. the one so girl like, goes, I'd fuck for it. Like, I right. thought that was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we basically get this this idea of these like some of these women, we've seen them a little bit beforehand. Some of them we haven't. Uh, so they're very poorly. Uh, they don't. Go ahead. They don't even. We don't even get to see them arrive at the house and get no. their first meetings with each other. No. We, we cut no. to them when they're already at dinner. Right. And and some of them like, we've seen before, like Patty. And yeah. Other ones. We and some. Met some you haven't. At all. Yeah. Not at all. You've seen uh, Samantha throwing some of their black and white pictures on the fire as she plots right. to to go up to the place herself, but it's, then she like loses interest. Yeah. And and you think, well, are we supposed to know who these people are? And then she shows up during dinner, and there's a there's a, a thing she says. She walks in, and John Ver and Stryker says, oh, "Oh, Samantha, hello. May I introduce?" And she cuts him off and says, "No, don't bother. They all look alike to me." Right. And I'm thinking, no, bother. Right. Introduce <laughs> them. I don't know who any of them are. Right. That exactly. was a big dick move, though, and that's what we yeah. got from it. She was like, "I don't give a fuck," and you'll never know too. The problem yeah, as well th- is that they they kill off the blonde first. And how are you? And th- so everyone left is brunette. Yeah. So they all. Like, how am I meant to tell these people apart? Right. Give yeah, me something. It, it, yeah, it does get very difficult. Like the only, the only uh, one that really stands out was uh, was the skater because she's so much younger than the other ones. Mm. And so it's like, okay, so you got this like doe-eyed, baby-faced, like Feruza Balk in fucking Return to Oz, and then you've got like these other women which are a little bit more m- mature. Uh, but they're not not that they're old, but they're just older than her. And then you've got the one who's like 
uh, Brooke, who's like the established actress and she's kind of bitchy and everything. But otherwise, yeah, they all kind of just like blend together. And it's mm -hmm. very hard. Like, you know, I had a hard time keeping track of their names. That's why I was struggling to write them down mm -hmm. in that one scene right there where Stryker is like, this is so-and-so. This, is so And I just got their last names because he just addresses her. He does. He yeah. addresses them as O'Connor and Burns and all that. That doesn't help. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. So, uh, so yeah, very quickly, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they, they meet each other and everything. And then it's like, you know, Stryker's like, well, you're all auditioning, but apparently they have to stay here for who knows how long. And then it snows heavy and they get snowed in and it's, you know, like, oh, I guess they're trying to create a shining type of thing. Not that they remotely succeeded that, but, uh, I did get though a very, I got a very, um, Suspiria feeling. Mm. from this in the sense that in Suspiria we have like these young girls that are in this creepy place and they're being like uh, uh taunted and pushed to be the best dancers and this like strikers taunting and pushing them to be the best actress they could be yeah. you know so i did get that and in and overall when it when we were discussing earlier about it being a slasher movie i definitely feel like this more wanted to be a gallo film mm, definitely. than than a slasher film right mm -hmm. uh with the with the the with the uh, presentation of the comp of the complex, if you will, story, uh, the all these young girls like being in one confined place, the killer having leather gloves, all these types of things, like it all fit much more like they were trying to do a Canadian gallo than yeah. they were trying to do a slasher. You know, I think the only thing that makes it a slasher is the granny mask. Right. I think there's there's because there's so much sort of discussion and debate about what makes something a gallo, what makes something right. a, a slasher. It can be a fine line sometimes. Very and here, so. the only thing that pushes it into slasher territory is the fact that you see the killer and they're wearing a mask. It's a masked killer. Right. That's a slasher. If you only right. saw the black gloves, it'd be a gallo. But that's right. that's the thing. That's how slim the difference is. It is. Film. That's the separating point. That's definitely that's definitely true. But I will say that the fact that it's it's people all in one place slowly getting picked off one by one. I think that's a little more in the slasher realm. Whereas with the gallo, it's a lot of people getting picked off here and there, but not necessarily all in one confined place. But, but you're right. I think the big thing is the mask is hmm. that you're seeing a killer in a mask in early eighties horror. That means it's a slasher movie. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, like it gets into the night, the first night that like all these, these women are there. <laughs> and we get two confusing scenes one is uh <laughs> one is uh you know like uh uh, uh burns um uh the, the skate burns suit yeah christy burns yeah the young girl this, this she's kind of like looking in on everybody and two of the women are in there in the, in the comic o'connor she's playing with the puppets like she's got the dog and the snake and like doing this whole thing and i'm like what the fuck like and like you think at first she's by herself, but then you realize Brooke is in there with her. And it's like, what the fuck is she doing? She's doing like a fucking ventriloquist puppet act there on the bed where they're just sitting in the room. But like, like what? What is happening? Mm. Okay, you guys don't know either. Because I didn't. Know. I think, no. <laughs> I, I, I remember that part. I remember that part because I thought that they had jumped back to the insane asylum first. I, I honestly did. That would have made more sense. It shows like the puppet, and then it kind of pans to show that she is the one that's puppeting it. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, they're still in the house. Yeah. Um, so, no, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I just, I had no idea no what sense. the fuck they were doing either. Yeah. 
and they have a little talk and then like she and then you know uh uh christy she overhears striker and samantha arguing mm-hmm. and then like striker comes to her door and she lets him in and a moment later like it's kind of a transition to where she's like in bed crying and she's like naked shizzard you know and like he's getting dressed and walking out and it's like you kind of like are like well did did she like consent to this was she like okay i'll do anything for the part because she's clearly crying and upset yeah uh and that's the the basic sense that i got from it um and so when i was reading up on this later it was that there was apparently going to be there was another storyline that got edited out where it showed it gave some more of a story to her where it showed her as a skater and being like you know uh trashed by her skating instructor being like your trash will never be any good you're not you're not willing to go to the limit or whatever and so she already has these self-esteem issues and so then when she gets to this and wants to get the role she sleeps with striker uh in the hopes to get the role and she hates herself for it Mm -hmm. Uh, but it does but none of that of course is in the movie so when we see it we're like did he rape her or yeah what happened here yeah that's the way it comes across is that well he just Rapes her, right? That's that's what right. it looks like. But you could conceivably end up with the same scenario if she had attempted to seduce him and mm-hmm. then had broken down in tears, unable to go through with it. Right. And he had just stormed off out of the out of the bedroom. Right. So well, what I, that, you could get that's another variation. Yeah. You could get that too, or you could get that he tried to pressure her into sleeping with him to get the role, and she consented but hated herself for it. Yeah, that as you well. Know? Right. Mm. So there's a lot of mystery uh, put in there, which never gets resolved or has any no, impact on the story. Remotely, no, not remotely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so uh, yeah, next morning, though, Christy gets up and she's just full of pep. Uh, she seems fine. <laughs> like nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. She's got her boom box. She's going out. Um, and uh, you know it's winter in this, which is also unconventional for a slasher movie. And I True. and I will bring that up again later. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Christy, she she's like, I'm gonna go practice skating on the lake, and she goes down to the lake, and uh, she's very sexy in these like knee high like like stockings and this very short like sweater thing she's wearing. I thought it was the, sexy anyway. This is the scene but, that I'm talking about that you're about I to get into. Was. I knew that it was. Nick, that, that Nick, Nick was like, watch. watch the scene. Yeah, Of course. I knew yeah. it. I knew it. Yeah. That, so that's, just, what, yeah. yeah. When you were saying that, I was like, I bet you I know which scene Nick picked. Yeah. Because this is also, to me, the, the second really great scene in this movie. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. it is. It's awesome. It's a great scene. Uh, uh, you know, you watch her skate around for a while, which is not the greatest thing in the world, but she's very attractive, so that helps. Um, but then like, she's listening to some, you know, like the power of love or something. Save my soul. It plays, (laughs) save my soul. It's very prominent in the credits, in the end credits. You know, they want you to know this is the song you heard both here and earlier playing on the radio as one of the the characters was driving up the car Mm -hmm. and the girl was singing along. This is, this is the song. This is who it's by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same song. Whenever there's, there's a pop song playing in the film. So they bought the rights to one song. Yeah. And just used it as much as they could. They got their money's worth. (laughs) I didn't realize it was the same one every time. But yeah, it's this, this is like this 80s pop like song. And uh, she's dancing, she's skating around. And then all of a sudden the music stops and she looks over and she's kind of like freaked out. 
And then she goes over there and there's a tiny little hand in the, in the snow. And so like, you know, she starts to dig it out and she realizes, and she realizes it's a doll and it's the doll. It's the doll uh, that uh, Amanda dreamt of, but was in Amanda's house. So you're like, oh, well, someone took this from Amanda's house and put it here and must've been the same person who killed her. If you even make that correlation, even if if you've been bothering to pay attention at all, mm. uh, and no one would would you know penalize you if you weren't. Um, <laughs> but so she pulls this doll out of the stone. She's like, "What the hell?" And then in slow motion, in this weird Lynchian kind of way, she pans over, and there's this person in all black, black gloves, very gallo, wearing the granny mask, and it's broad daylight, which really sets us apart from um most slasher films where it's like you know jason coming at you in the dark or whatever broad daylight and it's this really weird surreal creepy scene uh because she's watching this person come at her you know in this granny mask and then all of a sudden skating pulls, across the pond at skating it, across just, the mm. ice and they put it in like slow motion and everything and the, and the and the the granny killer like holds up a scythe you know like a, mm. a fucking reaper's scythe but like a handheld one you know, like a Leslie Vernon style and uh, and comes at her to kill her. And like that moment is really, really well done. I think it is pretty cool. Very There's cool. something about this. Someone skating menacingly towards you. This kind of because it's like you don't see With, that every day. No. With a weapon in their hand. You're like, yeah. Well, I, you know, I like, barely, oh. I'm like, I'm trying to skate at the mall right now. What the fuck is this? Like, I, I, I just like fall over and take it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. God. Because I that is, yeah, that's terrifying. Of, uh, You're right. The broad daylight thing, the mask, the weapon skates. Uh-huh. What the fuck is the going mask, on? The mask is really fucking creepy. The mask, the mask is mask. off-putting. Yeah. The it's mask really is off-putting. Up, an upsetting mask. Uh, and by the way, we see this mask like at throughout. Convention. Oh, well, well, I mean, I mean, maybe you see it here now, Chris, but I mean, like throughout the movie, yeah, uh, like it's being used. Like, I thought I should just mention this real quick that, like, you know, um, you know, the like you see it being packed in someone's briefcase. You later see Stryker using it, like in an acting uh, uh, practice, rehearsal, whatever exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, in this scene, yeah, it's it's this is like this and the doll scene we we mentioned before. I think are the two scenes that really have the most potential uh to make a good horror movie and utterly they're wasted on uh the 1983 film curtains mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but having to run away from a killer in skates as well is is tough yes you know yes. It's like, that's tougher than just having to run away from someone in shoes right so and that and that is a really weird thing when i was thinking that while watching it because like she's trying to get away from her and uh the, the killer like hacks at her several times but doesn't hit her but manages to like check chop up the doll a bit but then she's running it's like is she still in her skates she's like running through the woods in the snow but uh, uh, like you don't see her take off the skates it's like is she still wearing her skates or like how and i think the killer is chasing after her in the skates same thing yeah yeah yeah. but they're but they're managing to run it seems pretty fine in the woods in the snow in skates if you would if you have to you gotta you gotta do it i guess i I mean i don't know how to skate so i can't really i'm not really like (laughs) The, the official on this, but Chris, do you remember? 
Do you remember when I, I, I came to your house for that illustrious eight day stay and I helped it's, you, it's a blur, I helped, but yes. I helped you, uh, um, I was about to say mow the driveway, uh, uh, rake, <laughs> uh, shovel the driveway. <laughs> mow, and rake, I was like, shovel. <laughs> and I was like, all right, no problem. And I was slipping all over the yep. place. I fell, I fell down a bunch of times cause you can't wear yeah. Jordans on an icy driveway. No. Um, I feel like that's what would happen if the, if someone was skating at me. Uh, that's mm-hmm. about the amount of control I would have. Uh, right. If Granny side killer like, is coming yeah, at me, yeah, like I, I can't skate for shit. I've never even. Like, I, I would fall on my ass immediately. But I think it would be even worse. So I was trying to run up a, a snowy hillside mm-hmm. in skates. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like stuck. Yeah, but that scene is great. But then again, it, it also is like, oh, it's a doll movie. Oh wait, no, it's a Grandma Killer Mask movie. Right. Like, no. Like what the fuck is? And then on? and then when Christy finally gets cornered by the killer and it's 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 pretty cool the way it's done like the killer that comes means. from behind the tree grabs her but that, then it, cool. that is cool but then it cuts away you don't get to see her, you don't get to see her killed you don't get to see any gore you don't get to see anything i do I, want... did, I, I knew she would be killed against that tree but i expected the the hack to come from the side or something i mm. you know because it's it's a small tree uh, but right. they did a very good job of hiding the person behind it where they just right. come out it's, but then you don't see anything so it's yeah yeah so um so yeah if if you're interested in checking out curtains you could pretty much turn it off right after that because you've now seen <laughs> the two really great scenes in it <laughs> i will say a word of of something i quite like the next scene okay all right yeah we'll, we'll bring us into it uh the following scene i believe starts with striker at the window of his just staring out into the snow uh christie's disappeared she left a note under his door saying yeah oh she yeah couldn't, she couldn't take it anymore and then uh christie's it, gone yes <laughs> yeah. and then begins the uh begins the the the, the acting exercise mm-hmm. to which samantha comes in and says i want i want to act as well and well Act then, <laughs> do it, <laughs> and and produces the the mask through the, the mask, right? Yeah, it says you're such a perfect lady, so beautiful, so wow, that so is refined. a really good John Vernon impression. <laughs> so, Damn. So so what if you weren't so gifted? What if? What would you? How would you act then? Make yourself ugly for us, and you know, it's just he's just. Acting his little socks off. Oh, yeah, Samantha yeah. Egger is doing a pretty good job as well. It's a very intense moment between these two, where he puts he pulls this mask. So now you're thinking, huh? He had the mask the whole time. What's what's this deal? And then mm-hmm. he puts it on her and demands that she seduce him through her ugliness. No words. No, no lines. Through the, through the eyes. Make the noises eyes. if you must. Yes, like, make yeah, noises like, if you must, but no lines. Yeah. Yeah, it's very like <laughs> and, uh, it, it, and this goes this goes back to what I was saying earlier, where like John Vernon carries a lot of this movie. It's like yeah. he's he's so intense in everything he does, but he's he helps this movie a lot by just being himself. Breaking uh-huh. his back to carry this movie to the credits <laughs> just get to the credits he's just like thank god they kill him before the last 15 minutes spoiler alert jesus christ but no they should have kept him the whole time he yeah was i mean he, was that, he, he needed a break well you know, I, you know I love um, that scene anyway so well no no it's a, no you're right it is it is a very good scene because yeah, it's so powerfully acted by uh two actors uh 
who are who carry the majority of this movie with their performances. Uh, an interesting side note: uh, Stryker was originally the character Stryker was originally written for Klaus Kinski. <laughs> that's a that's a very different film there. That's a very different film. But at the same time, there would be no it, question that uh, that Christie was uh, raped if you were watching it with Klaus Kinski. Absolutely, You're like, he just absolutely. he just raped her. Yeah, yeah, you would absolutely assume that. But yeah. at the same time, like knowing that, like you could see how that character was written for him. Mm. You know, like because Kinski was kind of like that with like that whole exercise you were just talking about. Like that is something I could totally see Kinski doing in reality, let alone playing a role. Oh, that, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. so it's just, and I don't know why it didn't work out with him, uh, but that was ori originally who they had planned. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, very different movie. Uh, if, yeah. it was, if it was him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, moving on. Um, I thought it was funny in that scene that people weren't more concerned about Christy uh, Burns, the skater, because he's just like, oh, she couldn't hack it, so she's it, gone. And they're like, well, it, it we got snowed in, so how did she leave? And he's like, ah, I don't know. And like, they sentence her again. It's so it's a throwaway thing. Like she's so yeah. easily disposed. Like, like well, I guess you, I guess you're right. You know, they say maybe Matthew gave her a ride into. Oh town. yeah, that's how they dismiss it. Like, and, oh, you she's never a see slut. Slut right. shaming, yeah. which I do yeah. not appreciate. <laughs> no, but you no. never see Matthew again either. You know, he just... no, you don't. You don't. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they just kind of like shrug that off. Where meanwhile, like at the beginning, they're like, "Why is she even here? She's just a baby." Because she is. She's much younger. And they're but then they're like, "Ah, she's a hoe." So fuck mm. it, she's dead. Like they just they don't even care. It just seems <laughs> kind of weird to me. Women, am I right? <laughs> Women. Women be shopping <laughs> and dying in this movie, apparently. <laughs> but we do see her again, real briefly. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> in a really great moment. Oh yeah, uh, that is that that scene also is like, what the fuck is going on in this movie again? A great moment, though. Uh, a great moment. Yeah, uh, really, really fun and funny. Uh, and it it's pretty much chronologically. Uh, Brooke is preparing herself for who knows what she's you know she's getting dressed came out of the shower or whatever and uh she like we see the shadow of someone in the shower but then she pulls it back and there's no one there uh but then she sees what like we're not sure if it's blood drops on the toilet or if it's like her nail polish because she's doing her nails we can't tell but it, impl it implores her to uh open up the toilet and boom there is uh, Christie's head in the fucking toilet, her severed head, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, when we finally get to see that, uh, I have a question. Are when that because they do, and uh, he takes she takes Stryker back there to look for yeah. it. What, what are we to assume happened to the head? Did he stuff it into the toilet tank maybe when he went in there? Well, like, there's uh, no head in there, it's well, in the like maybe maybe not him, but maybe the killer did. Um, like we mm. don't know what like what happened with it, but yeah, sure. why. Or why, Ooh. like possible reason? Why there's no, uh, yeah, like even when we get all the all the reveals at the end, mm -hmm. we still don't know why anyone would have moved it or or what. But yeah, she uh, brings Stryker back else. there, be like, the, her head's in there, and he's like, there's nothing there, and there isn't, you know, like it's gone. Uh, but this is a great moment for Stryker to continue gaslighting and torturing these women, yeah, uh, because the the alternative title for this is a streetcar named Vernon. And 
thank you. How long <laughs> have you been waiting? Like you were waiting for like the I wrote the, it down. The, the, the last <laughs> half of the last quarter of the show to throw no. that joke in there. Oh, we'll I, keep I, them I, listening with this. <laughs> I wrote it down as I was watching the movie. I wrote it down at that exact scene. I was like, this is a streetcar named Vernon <laughs> because he's just gaslighting his women. Like you're crazy. No. Uh, and because what happens right after that, he puts her to bed and he fucks her, you know, like, yeah. he's like, well, I just saw a severed head, but you saved me from it. So I might as well sleep with you. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no bones about him being a despicable person. Sure. Uh, like no, not at this point. That shit. Which is uh, why Klaus Kinski would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 Allegedly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, and and this uh, this is where I wrote down. I actually wrote down at this point. Um, I'm not sure who I'm supposed to root for. Yeah, because oh. I wasn't. Yeah. Like, you know what the fuck? Who to go for? Yeah, exactly. At all? That's like I'm like a great way I'm like who it. is who is like the the main person in this? Because like it doesn't spend enough time with anybody. It does focus a lot, of course, on Stryker and on Samantha, but we're very much made to believe that one of them is the killer is the bad guy with the with the other women it's like well, think, isn't i was like isn't someone the heroine isn't someone the final girl like who am i supposed I to care about patty o'connor was the, meant to be the final girl because there is a scene i don't know the the chronology of it whether we passed it by but there is a scene between her and striker where, where she tells he, him off yeah where she tells him off she says don't you think i've got I can be an actress as well. You think I'm just here for a couple of jokes, really good oh, jokes, yeah, because I'm does. a very talented comedian. But yeah. you know, that's not all I am. I can do this. Right, thing. right. And he says to her, "Hmm." And she says, "You're enjoying this, aren't you? You son of a bitch. Yeah. You're actually enjoying this." Says, I'm starting to see a little Audra. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, yeah. So it's it's setting her up something. He strings her along, like right. There. And I, if you're if you're just listening to the audio feed, I just want to let everyone know that. John just like he wheeled out this whiteboard with all these like <laughs> he has a whole chart that is like going everywhere with this dry erase markers how he got to this it's very fun. it's it's a safe I, I would just like to say that he's he really is stepping into every single role really well when he, <laughs> when he like gives the lines like I'm really impressed like he's really good at this right yeah I mean, he is oh, absolutely absolutely but she has when that... you're Go ahead. <laughs> but, but she has that uh, that scene with him, and then she just uh, so you, she it's like she's being set up. All right, she's been the comedian so far. Right now, we're meant to take her seriously. She's actually got dreams and ambitions. Maybe she's the final girl that we've been meant to that's, root for all along. That's true. That's true. But then Please. she she disappears for the rest she of vanishes. the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's... And we and we think that because we did see that thing at the beginning of her. Her stand-up comedy. I want to be an actor. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. She really does want to be an actor. That's a part Mm -hmm. of her. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, you're right. Then it's like, bye. But then she's and she's gone. It's like, and that's where when I wrote it down, I was just like, who is who am I supposed to be rooting for? Who am I supposed to want to make it out of this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I wanted myself to make it out of it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) who I wrote down. Sick burn. because uh, then we get into this whole thing with uh, Demio. I don't remember her first name, but Demio, the one with the, the, the amazing rack. Uh, Tara. 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 <laughs> she Tara. Had, hey, she Tara. Had, she Tara. Had, she had an Tara. amazing rack. Tara. I don't care. Uh, Tara. Tara. So, uh, uh, yeah, so then all like we, we get to this whole long like chase scene with her where she's running uh from the person in the mask well um, you're, if, no, you've got a, a bit ahead 
there's something go ahead. quite important what else that happens, that happens what then. Else? Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, Stryker gets shot to death. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I got a little out of order. I did have that written down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I did get a little bit ahead. I did have that written down. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> It's not your <laughs> fault. The chronology is hard to keep the track it's, of it is, on it who is. these characters are. And where yeah, they are. It's, it's are colliding. And it's, it's him and Brooke are <laughs> so, in, a, yeah, in a room. Right. Uh, yeah, cause they, if yeah, you say I, so. That might be her name. I'm not sure. That, no, it is. It's Go back actress. to the diagram and see if that's Brooke. We have to, we have to follow a child to McDonald's you know, spaghetti it's, it's, map. No, no, no. It, it's like right after the whole toilet head thing. Uh, <laughs> toilet head thing. Dude, I played in that band in college, toilet head yep, thing. Yep. Uh, it's after that whole thing, well, you know, and uh, after he sleeps with her, it's like, like they're in her room and someone comes to the door and has a gun. You don't see a granny mess. You don't see a scythe or anything like that. It's just a gun. And blam, blam, kills him and kills her. Uh, and they f- they fall out the window. And then Stryker falls into another falls window. Back into the other, which is it cool. Just, it like the, he goes out the second floor window yeah. and into the first floor window <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a Homer Simpson move right there. <laughs> it really is. It really is. <laughs> like him going down the cliff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then like you see him and it's it, it's a little bit of gore in that you see him laying there with a big shard of, of glass like through his back. Uh and so then uh Demio Tara um Titania uh she goes she goes running and she's like, oh, fuck, you know, like you do. And, she, and she's running away. And then you get this very long thing of her running around in this like other building. That's like, is it a stage? Is it a backstage? Is it a storage shed for mannequins? Yeah. It's prop something. Shed. There. Prop shed. Yeah, prop shed. yeah. Every good director has one. Absolutely. On, on their premises. On your home. property. You yes. have your prop shed. Mm-hmm. It's aspirational. And yeah, so she, and so now all of a sudden it's like, well, is she supposed to be our final girl, this Tara? Because like mm-hmm. we haven't seen any any uh, we haven't seen um, Patty or anybody well, else. I, I when I was watching this, I had actually forgotten that Patty existed. Even existed, I, yes. Yeah, thank I you. thought I thought this was for sure the last girl. Alive. As did I. I thought yeah. that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, okay. I guess everyone else is dead because <laughs> it goes on so long, and she's running, and she's the like the last one standing. So you think. And I'm like, is this supposed to be our final girl? I barely remember her fucking name. You know, like, who, like, what does she even do again? Is she a, a karate champion? What is she? Like, she's something. They're all something. A skater, a singer, a dancer. Mm-hmm. The dancer oh, is fucking like, dead. It's a boy band. It's dead. a boy band. You didn't the, you know, mention the, the, Yeah, the dancer's the, dead. The dancer dies in, that's, that's how memorable her death is. <laughs> right, like, we forgot that she's dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's dead. Yeah, uh, it's like so when anyway, are we going to get to the fireworks factory? You know, it's, <laughs> but this yeah. is but this is where the movie really starts to uh, not feel like, but impersonate a slasher movie. It, mm-hmm. it, it it's like you know, it's like oh, in the dark in the curtains, and these mannequins are like hung uh, by nooses, which is kind. It could be effective if it was a better movie. You know, it's like you can see where they're trying it, but it doesn't really. This is. This is not Richard Siuka or whatever his name is directing this bit. This is definitely the other guy coming it in is. trying to salvage a slasher movie. It, it, it actually is. You're a hundred percent right because, like, I read up on it, and it is. It's the producer. It's uh, Simpson. Uh, Simpson Homer. Uh, Simpson. No, it's, it's, it's Simpson. 
uh, filmed all of that, all of that stuff where it's like, no, I want this to be a fucking slasher movie, damn it. And uh, and it just seems to go on forever where she's just kind of like running from the killer in 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 these ah, curtains, everyone. Uh, <laughs> and she's running through like a hall of curtains and mannequins and everything. Uh, but it really lacks suspense uh, because it go it it drags and also like we barely even know this character that you're chasing. We're, like we don't care about her at we all. We have no reason to care about anything. The only reason I cared about her is she had those perfect breasts that we saw earlier. Um, Which, that, to be fair, that's an endearing quality. That I mean, is. I mean, that makes me care a lot, a mm. lot. But I still didn't care. That's how bad mm. we care a is. lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we care a lot. Long story short, she finally gets killed. Not yeah. a, a good that's, kill. That's not it. A, not that's a, it. She just she well, just I mean, gets really, killed. I mean, really. I mean, is there anything else to say? Well, she no. hides for a little bit. She comes and then she gets killed. You know, mm-hmm. it's not much. It's it's a very long scene that doesn't really warrant discussion. Uh, and so then, finally, finally, we're like, it, it cuts back to the house, and there's. Uh, Patty O'Connor and John, like you said, it's like, oh yeah, her, she's still alive. I forgot about her. I thought that was it, you know, uh, because there also there's a, a very quick cut to uh, Matt, the, the henchman, floating dead in the hot tub. You don't know how he got killed, but he's he's killed. Uh, so apparently that whole thing, there was a whole thing. That was I, I like to him. assume he got fucked to death. Mm. That's pr- you know what? That's probably that's better that's than. I like. Yeah, that's, I like that. I do Thank like you. that. Uh, apparently there was a whole thing that was uh, filmed even, not just written, but filmed where he was killed like on a, uh, a snowmobile or something, some like oh. big accident scene. And they cut that completely. fucked to death on a snowmobile and they cut they, that? I guess so. They cut that all out and it's just like this show him floating in the fucking thing and people will know he was killed. And I guess that's what they did. Um, and so it gets back. It's inside the house and there's uh, Patty O'Connor, the, the comedian of the group. And then Sam shows up, uh, Samantha, the actress from the very beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and they're the only two left. And uh, and it's this really weird scene where you're like, wait, what? Because uh, for one thing, you forgot that uh, Patty existed at all, uh, let alone was alive. And then Sam's there and she's like, yeah, I, I killed him. I killed uh, Stryker. And whatever, call the cops. She's like, go ahead, call the cops. Yeah, but she's not that drunk. <laughs> yeah. But but like she's like, you know, they're they're about to have a drink. And uh Patty is kind of like uncomfortable, but then she starts to laugh a little bit. She's like, Oh, okay, he's God. She's like, No, I killed him. I was, oh, well, mm. what happened? She's like, Yeah, like now it's just us girls and 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 yeah, she says, Don't worry, I won't harm any of your friends. Yeah. There's there's nobody left. It's right. just us. What yep. are you saying? Yeah. That's yes. the rest of the scene continues in that way. Exactly. Exactly. She's <laughs> like, wait, what do you mean? So like, you know, and we have the audiences, we're like, we're expecting that Samantha I, has been killing all along, but that's been too obvious. So we know it wasn't her killing all along. So it's like dun dun dun. Samantha killed Stryker and killed uh Brooke, you know, but she didn't kill the others. It was actually Patty, who all along the funny killed, lady. Yeah, the com- the comedian all along who had been slashing everyone in this mask, which just was very happened to be laying around, I guess. It was just convenience because you know, Stryker had owned this mask, but apparently mm. she had access to it anytime she wanted to kill someone, and no one noticed it was gone. Mm. Uh so Stryker didn't kill anybody. He was just a, an abusive uh prick. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Samantha killed him and killed uh, the woman who was trying to take her role, the only mm-hmm. other accomplished actress. So that makes mm-hmm. some sense. Yeah. But why did Patty kill everyone else? Uh, well, they decide to justify it by flashing back to her stand-up act, where she's, you know, where she's like, "I'm going just for a role," and, it, and then, yeah, and then they go forward to her being in the asylum. Did they go forward, or was that always her fucking stand-up act? Exactly, exactly. You know, and and I'm just going to say, Chris, you put it perfectly. I don't know what the tagline of the poster of this movie was, but it should have been curtains. Wait, what? I think think it was the ultimate nightmare, which is like, that's five to five on a Friday. That's like, like, what what do we say? The ultimate nightmare? Yeah, Yeah, fine. yeah, that that goes to show that they weren't even trying at that no. point. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, God, I was so disappointed by that. <laughs> so yeah. basically, it's like okay, so Patty was crazy the whole time, and she, yeah, because like her jokes were kind of self-deprecating, in mm-hmm. that like I'm going to this audition, and oh, I'm so desperate to do movies, I fucked a a photo max clerk. I'm so desperate to be in pictures, Chris. Yes, that's what it is. I do anything. <laughs> yeah, that makes and, more sense. Yes. And it says Audra like on the chalkboard right. thing behind her at the yeah. end, just doing like that it's fuck it. But but it gives you this impression of showing it again where it's just like, oh, was she really that sympathetic that all her jokes were actually true? That she was telling the truth that she did all mm-hmm. these things and she was that upset and that depressed and it's not funny. But here's the question that I have, gentlemen. Was she the one who helped Sam get out of the asylum? Yeah, Were her. they like in on this together? Was she the one who was the friend was like, I didn't help you get out just so you could focus on this movie? Like, because John, I'll, I'll let you, you give your yeah. theory first. It's, it's very, very confusing because she sounds there. We only see the girl who helps her from the back. We see right. her legs and her hair. Her hair looks similar. She looks like she could be the same build. She sounds like it but could be her. But all of these women look the same. <laughs> they all, they, they all kind of do. Um, but when they're talking at the end, you would think you would get some indication right. that they're supposed to be friends. They seem friendly. But they don't seem like they know each other in no. the at all. They seem like they just met each other you know, two days but ago or whenever this... Yeah. If she really wanted the part... Why would she, because the only reason Samantha knows that this audition is happening is because her friend brought a copy of Variety to her, which apparently told the whole story about this audition process that that Stryker had and then helped her get out. So if she wanted the part that much, why would she break Samantha out of the asylum so that she could come up to the, which leaves, which I guess means that it couldn't have been her. So we don't. So the the character who actually broke her out, we, was never we get revealed, no. Yeah, we never. Or never there. Explanation. Yeah, was yeah. completely tangential, like one of these other red herrings in right. the film littered with them. Right, and then in that we would get that. Okay, so Patty, because that's the other thing. If Patty was in the asylum beforehand, how did she end up getting this audition at all? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and how did she like escape and then immediately go into doing stand up comedy and have like an agent and background to actually even get this fucking audition? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. No, that's so. a point. I didn't. I didn't think about her potentially being a patient in the asylum. Like maybe that's where they met. Right. And then she got out, and then she got a stand-up career, and then she did right. all this in the two and a half months. Well, so I was thinking this. maybe that's how her and Samantha met. 
that's a theory. That's that that makes it a bit stronger, but but it still same, doesn't add up at the same it time. It still doesn't yeah. add up. But yeah. mm, but then again, it was filmed by two different directors, the first half and the second right. half. Even in the right. credits, they split it into act one and act two. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that was the original idea. That's a great stretch. Um, and I see how you could make that stretch. Uh, it make does make perfect sense, but when I watch that scene, Not I really. think <laughs> that it's either I think that it's either something uh, that they were tr- that whoever was doing that part was trying to set up that n- didn't end up getting paid off later, or there's something on the cutting room floor that mm. it, it, that tells us exactly what that is, and it's just like they were like, "Fuck it, you know, let them fucking think it's something." She's crazy, oh. right? Oh. Like. Because there's no payoff to that at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just that makes me think either they just gave up on it or just cut mm-hmm. something out that would have explained it's, it. It's, it, they re- it really gives this impression that they're, they're trying to be like, it'd be like, what a twist. You know, like, yes. like this M. Night, they, I, they, they, like M. Night Shyamalan or something. But it's, they, I know. I feel like that's how what many they're trying to do. But do that. Well, I've, but it, I've but it a... feels like they're trying, but they don't mm-hmm. succeed at all. You just go, like, what? That's it? Like, just like John like said, it's trying. It's trying it's to trying. be a lot of things. Well, I might have a little piece of information. That might oh, give it to me. Or sense of, yes. of this one. We've not touched on. One thing we've not touched on at all in our discussion is the writer. You mm. gentlemen, you know who the writer of this film was? John Hudson. It's a, it's a little no, man. A man by the name of Robert Guza Jr. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he wrote the script and he came back for the rewrites. So now, if you, you don't know, and shame on you if you don't, Robert Guzan, 20 Daytime Emmy nominations, three wins for his work as the head writer of approximately 1,500 episodes of General Hospital. Oh, right? oh shit. Ah, <laughs> right? This, is, this guy is a big deal. Yeah. Okay? okay. He wrote curtains and then at the very start of his career, and then he went on to become one of the most celebrated soap opera writers and storytellers of his generation. Right? So, and not only was he did he do all this work on General Hospital, which I never watched, but this is important to me, he was also the co-creator and head writer of the NBC uh, daytime soap opera Sunset Beach, which I watched for years and was... Fantastic! It was very. It was. It was a cult show in the UK. Never really caught on America, but um, but a great show. And the thing about Sunset Beach, which again he co-created and wrote, is that uh, it was wild and crazy, and nothing made sense. They had. They did not play by the rules of your average daytime soap. They had uh, uh, a whole plot line where um, characters had stolen. Where there was there was a stolen diamond that was cursed by an Egyptian princess, so anyone who came into contact with it aged rapidly. Uh, they had uh, a, a, a long arc where all, all of the characters were on a cruise ship, and there was a tsunami, and it basically recreated the Poseidon adventure. They had, <laughs> they had an arc where uh, where uh, one one woman, try, one woman tried to um, was trying to break up a marriage with a guy who was infertile. So she uh, slept with a different guy, uh, one of his love rivals, collected his semen, put it in a turkey baster, drugged the, the woman in his marriage, and impregnated her so that 
Her now, husband mm -hmm. would think that she had been cheating on him because, again, he was infertile. But now that's a true, based on a true story. That's that, based, I, yeah, I heard true. that. I heard that. That one. Well, yeah. one of the greatest arcs they ever had on Sunset Beach. It was called the Terror Island arc. They had a slasher uh, event, um, which would which be well worth checking out if you if you can on, on Sunset Beach, where a group of the characters oh, went I'll get right to. On it. Went to an island and were chased down and, you know, picked off one by one over the course of several weeks by a masked killer. Um, and this was uh, this was Ben and Meg, the two sort of main uh, lovers in, in the series. The first episode they meet, the final episode is them finally getting together. But... Um, but in Terror Island, they sort of took all their friends to this island and then there were various uh, side characters getting killed off over the course of this arc. And then finally, one of the main characters actually was getting stabbed to death on a daytime soap, bear in mind, was getting stabbed to death by this mask killer, reached up and with his dying, this last energy, pulled the mask off of this guy and revealed it was Ben, the hero, <gasps> the great lover, everyone's, Gentle ben? everyone's idol. And that... <laughs> And it, that revelation is but, how it was revealed that Ben had a secret evil twin no who chased shit. them to the island. No. The evil <laughs> yeah, twin? An evil twin. Wow. And, who, and who's ever heard off. of such a thing? <laughs> no one expects that. In a soap opera? <laughs> only, the only person who knew was Ben's uh, ex-wife, Maria, but she had amnesia um, because <laughs> Ben had thrown her off um, a crane. Amnesia? So, yeah. In a soap opera? So she this didn't really remember cutting that, edge. That, that, uh, that, that Ben's evil twin, Derek, existed. Um, but anyway, what, Sunset what? Beach, this is the same John, brain that made John, curtains. John okay. Wayne, what happened? Like, where are we? <laughs> I'm not sure at this point, but I do understand how it ties back into curtains. Yeah, it's the same brain. No, no, yeah. absolutely. So, the, the, I just, um, I love that you know all of this. I love that you researched all this. I have, I, I, I appreciate <laughs> that you know and researched all this. I'm not sure if I like it yet, but oh, I love it. No, I'm just joking. I think it's great. Um, yeah, this is hilarious. That's fantastic. So, it's called yes. Sunset Beach. Sunset Does it at beach. any point have anything to do with a sunset or a beach? Oh, the end credits, which lasted about... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, show yeah. itself was about fine. 20 minutes long, and the end credits were about half an hour. It was... sounds like... It is sounds it like in a landlocked end... nation? Like, is that... <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like an Andy Sedaris movie, uh, which, of course, I'm all for. Fuck, yes. Uh, Pat, that, um, can, can get I... that DVD pack. I've got can it I... myself. The woman yeah, who I... um, sleeps with Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive, that's where she started on Sunset uh... Beach, and... I'm um, very. I'm a big fan of her work in that movie where she yes. doesn't have clothes on. <laughs> yes, and uh, one of the the lead actresses, oh, who played Olivia, whose name I can't I can't remember the name of the actress, but she was Charles Bronson's love interest in uh, Death Wish Five: Face of Death. Ah, yes, gets her the head final smashed one. Into the mirror. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what she gets for dating Charles Bronson in a Death Wish movie. I mean, yeah. But um, you know, oh. he doesn't always have women in his life, but when they do, they get raped and murdered. I know a lot of the, 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 the Sunset Beach connections and lore. Apparently, um, so. apparently so. No one's questioning that. <laughs> it was, uh, Sunset Beach, was Sunset Beach connection the like after show like 
it, you know, like Talking Dead, where you you would come on and like, all right, this week on Sunset Beach, here's what happened. Oh yeah, yeah, he's like fucking Terry Bradshaw telling you what happened in the game you just watched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be, I would. That's what I'd be doing if Sunset Beach was still going today. I would be doing a weekly Sunset Beach podcast for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I think there would be no one better for that. <laughs> I, might have uh, I do have, I do have on YouTube or something. Yeah, I, I, do have a couple, I do have a couple of things to say. It's like you, you <clears throat> shamed us for not knowing who the writer is uh, and what he also had done, and as you should. Uh, I want to say something funny about the director, uh, or at least the guy who directed 45 minutes of the movie, mm -hmm. uh, Richard uh, Sepuka. I still don't know how to say this goofy name. Uh, mm -hmm. That uh, Curtains was his directorial debut, and oh. he never made another movie. Uh, he he got into TV and film and did a lot of television stuff, but he was so uh, put off by uh, how he was uh, mm -hmm. forced to make a movie he didn't want to make uh, that he walked off, and that was the end of his direct uh, his movie directing career. He kind That's of, a shame you know, because yeah. there's, there's not like this. There's not like this. There's talent. There's obvious talent behind mm -hmm. the camera somewhere. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, think it's can... I think it's in the stuff that he did as opposed to yeah. these the slasher tropes that were uh, presented by uh, Peter Simpson when he took over. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I also wanted to say this, and this is true. Um, uh, uh, you 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 mentioned Terror Island, which was the whole thing on on Sunset Beach, which was the whole slasher uh, segment that they did. Uh, I once wrote a a slasher story called Terror Island. Uh, and it was pretty much the same fucking thing. It was like these people on an island, and there's a killer knocking them off. Uh, I was 12 when I wrote that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really was. I wrote it longhand in a spiral notebook, Terror Island by Christopher Triana. It will never be published. Uh, I don't think I even have it anymore. On uh, the next but... Ridiculous Dreads, oh my god, Terror oh my god. By Christopher Triana. That's a brilliant idea, uh, right there. I, read by me, pretending dude, to be Christopher Triana as a child. A, dude, you just wait struck, a tick. Wait a tick. You just struck gold, John Wayne. Like that's we gold, should do Jerry, that. Gold. Ridiculous read. We should like find because I still have shit like stuff. We that did I wrote talk when about that fucking, at one point. Pulling out our we? old like pulling out our old preciouses from when we were young and let oh, we should and, and, and exposing our hearts to the uh, world. I don't have Terror Island. It was. I don't have Terror Island anymore. But I have. Could I, I make it up as a spoken? <laughs> Why don't you do the novelization of it? <laughs> of Terror Island. Of Terror. Novelization of the unpublished lost work, Terror Island. <laughs> uh, unrelated to the uh, to the soap opera. Yeah, completely lost. unrelated to Sunset, Sunset Beach. Unrelated. Unrelated. But no, I, I don't have that. But I do have uh, the majority of the stuff that I wrote when I was younger, including like some horror novels, full-on horror novels that I wrote on a typewriter when I was 14. Uh, oh. That Yeah, they are garbage but you know like i they 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 were the beginning you know um mm -hmm. that would be re that's really funny we got to mm -hmm. do that like you said we talked about this before we probably did and i was drunk and i forgot yeah you know, much like you get stoned and forget things i was probably drunk and forgot i remember but, everything uh, <laughs> you definitely do not you lying motherfucker uh, but we should do that we got to remember, remember one of us should time. remember <laughs> do you Our, remember the time i remember um all right john um, mcnee so, is here john mcnee is here folks we're gonna get into our show but first got to do book of the week no um, <laughs> so we so should wrap this up into well, our yes final we should we should let's do our final thoughts so you can give a little bit more of a final thought 
we rank the movie uh, from one star to five, one being the worst, five being the best. Uh, and we always start with our guests. So, John McNee, what's your ranking and why for Curtains? Um, I think uh, um, two, two, two and a half. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm pretty harsh on movies anyway, unless I sort of really enjoy them. I think three stars. This is worth your time. Okay. Well, it and can't. Not... Be, it can't all be Spice World. Okay. It can't. And I don't think it could be the greatest movie. Shouts <laughs> out, out to Wesley Southward seeing it on <laughs> premiere day. Yes, Spice yes, World. Yes. If 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 it's a three star, that's that's something I'm 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 not ashamed to recommend to someone. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, you might enjoy it. I, I can't, and with my hand on my heart, recommend curtains to anyone. I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't inflict that on on somebody. But uh, <laughs> inflict. But I didn't. I didn't hate it. It's not a one star right. for me. I think there's there's. I'm 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 no. I don't regret personally watching it. There was stuff mm -hmm. I I liked in it. I liked. Uh, John, you know Vernon. Obviously, mm -hmm, I, you know mm -hmm. I love getting to see him in in this role. And there was a couple of sequences where it did make me jump. Um, and the, you know they can there's the obvious, just sort of baffling nature of it that is quite yeah. unlike anything I've ever seen. And uh, it looked nice too. The, the 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 snow and the Vaseline all over the the camera. Um, the way it's designed, like a Swiss chalet commercial, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, so, 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 yeah. Um, but I liked a lot about it. I'm really glad it wasn't a a slasher film, though, because I get bored watching watching most of those. This was something yeah. different, and I like I like the parts. I disliked the parts that felt like a slasher film. Mm. I liked all the other stuff. I wish it had been a killer doll movie because it seemed like yeah. they were onto something with that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So two to two and a half stars from Mr. John McNee. Uh, Mr. John Wayne, how did you feel? Okay. I'm going to give this movie, Curtains, one and a half stars. One star because it is a movie. <laughs> no denying and you that. You cannot deny that. <laughs> the half a star I'm giving for the uh, scene on the. Um, the ice skating scene that we we spoke about earlier, which would only get a quarter of a star, but I'm going to give it the whole half because of the other doll scene with the that she almost gets hit like by the car and wakes mm -hmm. up, which ruins that whole thing. But like I like this movie is not it's not completely terrible. It's mm -hmm. just so convoluted. And it, like I said before we even started, I was like, was this a movie that two people wrote and shoved the scripts together? And it wasn't, it was the two directors. And I think that it smacks of that. Like, it just seems like it's, it's, it's fighting against it, <clears throat> against itself a lot of times, uh, from what I thought. But mm -hmm. I mean, it has cool parts. Watch that scene on the ice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that is creepy as fuck. You said you mentioned earlier, uh, Chris. It started making you think of Suspiria. I think there's bones to this that you could remake it into something actually worth watching. Into something watching. good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think so too. Um, yeah, Suspiria came to mind, and also Shock Corridor came to mind as well uh, while watching this. Um, yeah, I thought and, you were going to say Shocker for a second. I was like, dude, I know you like that no. movie. <laughs> nothing like that. Nothing man. like Shocker. No. <laughs> And Shocker is also not a good movie, but I do really like it. Um, uh, okay, before before I get into into mine uh, review, I did want to mention something. I forgot to mention this earlier that there was an alternate ending 
And I think that this alternate ending would have been much better. What the the fuck? Was this like Clue? You had to go to a different theater or some shit? (laughs) Like, no, there was so much that was changed and edited and rewrote. That's why the movie's such a mess. It's like you had two different people at the helm who wanted to make two different movies. And that's why you didn't get like one you just got where do you see the alternate ending at i don't know if it was actually ever filmed or anything um but uh i mean i i haven't watched the any of the special features on my dvd so i don't know if it was filmed or not but there's an alternate ending uh that uh, that i actually i'm pretty sure it wasn't filmed because i was reading up on it uh and uh, the producer was going to put it out but his wife thought it was too improbable uh, is what i read uh, uh. the alternate ending is that uh, you know, it's still Patty uh, who kills everyone, including killing Sam at the end. But then instead of the ending that we got where she's in the uh, asylum doing her act in front of mental patients, the ending is that she's in that weird prop, you know, department studio thing that, yeah. that you know, like she's in that. And it's like there's a stage, I guess. Stryker had like a little stage going on there and she's on a stage there and she's performing her act. So all the dead people that she killed are all like, mm. lined up in the audience, laying there like in the seats, like all fucking dead. And she's performing in front of them. Interesting. Which I That's think would have been worse. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that at least it tries to be creepy. Um, but yeah, Dude. apparently they were like, apparently the, they were the, like, well, the keyword try again. Mm, right? Well, they, they said that it was like the producer's wife thought it was improbable that she would be able to physically drag all the people out there and prop them up. And I'm like, really? That's your problem with the probability of all this shit that happened? How uh, long after this came out did he divorce her and move on to <laughs> well, his third or fourth wife? Like, I have no oh, okay. idea. Uh, Interesting anyway, that you that you bring it up, though, because do you know how do you want to know how Sunset Beach ended? Yes. Exactly like that? No, it turned out it was all a dream. Um, oh, um, of course uh, it did. Meg, of course Meg, Meg, who is the first character introduced on Sunset Beach, and she's the one who meets Ben, you know, on her first day in Sunset Beach. It's like three years later, and she wakes up back in Kansas, and all the characters come around in for a birthday Kansas, party even. in Kansas. It's just like and, Oz, Wizard of Oz type of shit. Yeah, yeah, it's an homage. Homage. And, uh, yeah, and then all of these characters are coming around for a birthday party, and she's like, "Oh, yes, that's who you are, not evil Uncle Gregory, who who you know killed both wow. of his ex his wives." Um, but and and so there's a full episode where you get introduced to all these characters and who they actually are, where and all everything that you watched or for the, the last three years was just a dream. But right. then but, I have rocks that then, you're cleaning at home. But then I say. She wakes up in bed. <laughs> I do, man. I've got right. rocks that cleaning at home. Fuck this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. But then she wakes up in bed next to bed, and it turns out it wasn't a dream after all. She was just dreaming that it was all a dream. Oh, shit. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. So, again, the name is Robert Boozer Jr. He's got I will never watch time Emmys and 20 nominations. Double fake out. <laughs> oh my wow. god that's the triple philly fake out which does, definitely does not come with consent so i no. don't appreciate that <laughs> so so my opinion <laughs> chris try to top that asshole i mean I, I, i'm not trying to top shit i'm just going to give you like my my rating on it i think you covered everything um but uh, yeah i um like i said i had never seen this but it was a box cover that i remember seeing and i i bought it when severn released it as a dvd this was maybe in 2013 or 14 or something and so i saw it the first time then and i watched it and i was like yeah it's okay 
you know. Um, but deciding to do it this time, it just randomly popped in my head. I was like, here's one we haven't done. And I was particularly excited because I, I figured you guys hadn't seen it because it's not one that most people talk about. And I had seen it, but I couldn't remember a fucking thing except that ice scene, the scene on the ice. That's the only thing I remembered because that is memorable. That is actually pretty well done. And also, um, you know, I had forgotten about, you know, the doll scene in the street, which is also very well done, but I'd forgotten that. Um, so I was like, I don't even remember what the fuck happens in this. So it'll be mm -hmm. fun. Like, we'll all be going into it kind of blind, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, watching it a second time, uh, I really appreciate John Vernon in anything. I just really like him. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's well acted. I think it's well shot in a lot of scenes. I think it, there's a, uh, you can definitely see how uh, the original director, Richard uh, Kupka, uh, like you could see that he was, hey, you try to say it. You're laughing, but you try to say it. Like C-I-U-P-K-A, you know, like uh, the, the guy, like you could see like he was really trying to do something with it and it was taken away from him. There are these moments of greatness where you could see that it was going somewhere, but ultimately it was torn out from under him. Uh, and so... Yeah, you you don't you you get some titty, you don't get any gore. So th like that that really takes points away from me with the slasher movie. I want titties and gore. You get some titty, I'll give it that, and it's some really nice titty. But the gore is completely lacking, utterly and completely. Um, the mask is very creepy, very cool. So that's that's points. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, this this movie, uh, uh, like while it's not you don't get the gore, I don't feel like it wanted you to. I don't feel like it was trying to be that kind of movie i think that it was uh, a, they were trying to do a very different sort of movie than what we ended up with uh and, and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was made in 83 during the slasher boom uh so yeah, yeah i would say probably two stars for this uh because there are those two really great scenes uh mm -hmm. and because it has john vernon uh who i really like uh, some very, very pretty ladies that really helps with a slasher movie. I know I'm being sexist to say that, but no, in a slasher movie, I want to, I want pretty ladies. I don't give a shit. What's wrong with being that. sexy? What's wrong with pretty ladies? Um, and, 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 uh, and yeah, so like it, it has these things about it. I will say this. I think if you are a fan of 80s horror, if you're a fan of slashers, I think it's your duty to watch it at least once. I think that you, you kind of have to, you know, like it come, it, it's one of those things. Like if you're going to watch madman and house on sorority row and if you're going to watch even lesser stuff like twisted nightmare and lunch meat you have to watch curtains you kind of have to um but at the same time if you're just kind of like a casual fan of horror movies you don't really need it um and if you're a hardcore slasher fan and you really expect a slasher movie you are going to be disappointed yeah. um so you'll, go be, with, you'll be registering your disgust on the internet within minutes you will you will <laughs> <laughs> uh and you'll just want a hundred tacos because that's what mm -hmm. I want. That's oh, for a hundred dollars. For hundred dollars. Yeah. Fuck I yeah, dude. You it, can't dude. beat that. You can't. You can't. So yeah, I'll give I'll give two stars to curtains. It's it, and but I you know I will say it's kind of like a time capsule too of uh, of uh, that era where it's kind of like every horror movie had to try to be a slash movie a little bit if they were going to reach any kind of success. And I think this mm -hmm. is a great example of of a producer stepping on a director's toes this is a perfect example uh, where he's like no you got to make it more like a slasher movie you got to make it more like a slasher movie because that was what was popular at the time and of course this movie really shouldn't have been that um mm -hmm. even if it was supposedly conceived as an adult slasher which doesn't make much sense to me uh 
Something like, with now call elevated horror, which is a mistake. You're trying to yes. make a mature horror mature film. Mature horror, yeah. And just yeah. cut out all the blood and guts and scares and things and just yeah. whatever you're left with. That's elevated. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's elevated. And that it just goes on and on and shit doesn't happen. And then when yeah. that doesn't make sense. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that that is curtains. And it also is curtains for some of Slasher's. So we, uh, John Wayne and I will see you all next summer. I think we'll, we'll be going back to our slashers if we'll, we feel like it. Yeah. You know? We'll still see you like before that, but we know. will, but Oh, absolutely. No, those we're, we're not canceling the show. We're just, we're not going to do any, uh, uh <laughs> no more summer of slashers until next summer, until next summer. There you right. go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what comes up next? We don't know. We'll who's to, who's to say, <laughs> Who's to say? We barely know where we are day to day. So, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. But I want to give huge thanks to Mr. John McNee. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's been great being able to talk to you face to face, virtually yeah. anyway. Uh, and your knowledge of uh, soap operas is very impressive. Well, so, it's, that, that means a lot. That's the yeah. most massive thing. You, like, you like unfurled your fucking soap opera dick on it. Yeah. Just like, and it kept going. And oh, like, just get, you know, I, I, will, I, I would be good. delighted. I would only be too, be only too delighted to come back sometime and tell you about uh, Coronation Street, which is, uh, you know, the, no, is that uh, one we have to watch just, now too? Jesus. Don't ruin that. that but was, that one's a dream too. I am going to lose my I thought mind. that was just a cure song, Coronation, Coronation Street. Coronation Street. I think uh, something else. That's a U2 album. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it sounds like one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say this. I do remember because uh, uh, my mom and, and grandmother, they loved uh, Days of Our Lives, which is actually gone now, I think. It's amazing that like a soap opera would ever Rest end. Power. Rest in power. <laughs> yes. Dust off that old chestnut. Um, it's a good one. Yeah, uh, uh, but they but anyway, in Days of Our Lives, they did a whole exorcist thing where one of the characters was possessed by Satan. And I remember this because I, you know, I was, you know, I, I lived at home. Uh, you know, I was like 13 or something when this happened. And I remember like walking, you know, back and forth to the kitchen to my room to listen to my Bon Jovi and be awesome. <laughs> like, like I, I would see, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like, yeah. fuck Di- Di- I was like Diane or whatever, devil. whatever her name was. Some character, like she was like, like possessed yeah. by the devil. I remember pointing and laughing, be like, this is fucking hilarious. And I'm like, no, this is scary. I'm like, it's yeah. scary. I was like, it's like this is a fucking soap opera. And that soap opera also had this character uh, who was a guy who had like an eye patch. And I was like, it's Snake Plissken. Holy shit. Like, I just thought that it was like this because he looked exactly like him. He had like the same Kurt Russell hair and everything. It was it's, the 80s. You know? it's a, I think it's, it's a writer's dream to get on an American daytime soap opera because they yeah. just have produced so much and nobody's really paying attention no one no of one, any well, no one's horse. holding them accountable no it? exactly you <laughs> yeah. can do how about, anything how about you want you can be the most creative you, know? you could yeah. possibly want to be and it's not going to come yeah. back and hit you the worst that's going to yeah. happen is they won't be nominated for a daytime any yeah, yeah yeah it was all a dream if you write yourself into a corner yes you know, it was all a dream. Oh, freedom and she yeah. was in a coma yeah. that whole time that whole Boom. time man. there are yeah. no rules in i don't the world even know i don't even know yeah. how they got out of the whole possession thing i'm sure they did something <laughs> like that but yeah she was one of the main characters who's been on the show for i was possessed for a while i'm sure there are listeners be like oh i know that and then they'll and they'll call the cory hotline and tell us but um <laughs> we should, but, we should but, write a, a a soap opera, start it that'll run for a hundred years yeah. with all these tropes. Um, well, well, Dark Shadows was good with that too, where they got away with whatever because they would 
they would kill a character and they like they just bring him back as a ghost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's what they, Star Wars there was, there the was, ghost. That's right. Now Star Wars does that. I, that's right. Just one little thing in, in Sunset Beach because uh they they, they had Here we this go thing. again with the Sunset Beach in this case. There was this woman she was she was she was she was a villainous <laughs> character, Francesca Vargas she was called. They shot her <laughs> he's got a and name. that's a villainous name too. Yeah, Francesca, Francesca Vargas was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Everyone it was like who shot GR? Who shot Francesca Vargas? But oh, she got she got shot on Sunset Beach, right? Mm-hmm. And she di- she went to hospital, and she died. And the next scene, she went to hell, and she met her ex husband and her father shoveling coal into the furnace that powers hell. <laughs> this is a scene that was on television. This is metal as fuck. What was, was playing last, in the background? That was, was the last Alice anyone Cooper? saw. Was it Judas that was it? You never see yeah. her again? That's no, she died. That's how, her, that's how her story ends. She Wait, dies and she it? goes they to hell. Show her father and ex-husband <laughs> shoveling coal in hell yeah, credit like, on that's the last time you ever see her. That's they don't bring her back at all. Been looking forward to seeing you, darling. And like, yeah. and then that's wow. it. They that's must fantastic. have. They must yeah. have had an ace up their sleeve if they're fucking just gonna throw Francesca to the fire, literally. Wow. Like that is. Great. I, 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 we're gonna have to do a whole scene, a whole show is, on. Uh, that is pretty great. What is this called? Private that. Promise. Uh, Sunset, Sunset Beach. Beach. Sunset Beach. Private Promise. What the fuck? Well, I will. I like. The closest John Wayne and I come to having a soap opera is uh, Married with Children. Married with Children. We watch yeah. it religiously, and uh, and it teaches you life. Son, did I tell I you learned... never marry? Uh, you know, and we should have listened. We yeah, should've we should have listened. They did a dream, but they should have doubled Married with Children as well, didn't they? They had like a season that was just a dream. Well, they they did, but well, that was uh, that was they did that for a reason. Uh, Katie yeah, Small, that... uh, the actress who plays Peggy, she was pregnant in real life. She had a miscarriage, and so they decided to oh, make yeah. it all a dream that like. Peggy oh, was never was pregnant, pregnant. Yeah. yeah. So they did it for that reason. And, but and what I was going to bring up, was also but then he comes, but yeah, then he, he comes back, back and does it. But <laughs> what, what I was going to bring up is there is one where Al, uh, there, it was a, a Halloween episode. Uh, Al sells his soul to the devil so he oh. could be a professional football player. Uh, and uh, Satan is played by Robert England. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, not a, it's really ridiculous and not, not the greatest episode, but um, good casting. yeah, yeah, excellent late, casting. later. Yeah. See, uh, what season but is that? That was a much later season, later I think it was season, season yeah. like 10 or 11, it was near the end Oof. where they got really silly. But uh, there is this thing at the end of it where it's like it was all a dream, he wakes up, oh, it was just a dream, but then like he finds, like, uh, like I guess throughout the episode, it's this whole joke with like red hots, like the candy with the little devil, and then he like he finds this box of red hots in his uh in his pocket he's like there's no hell like home you know like he realizes he really is in hell but it's just his everyday life it's like his wife and his family like his life his job is so shitty that that's hell so that makes that 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 tracks that tracks mind blown mind blown tracks yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh this this has gotten totally off the rails and stupid and i love it good Uh, yeah (laughs) it's been great uh all right, gentlemen, I guess we'll call it an evening. Uh, John McNee, I want to thank you again for being on. You've been absolutely great and so much fun. Uh, thank thanks you. Thanks so much. Definitely dude. want where to have I, you. Did we say where everyone could find you? Like, oh, uh, um, yeah, just about yeah. everywhere. You know, I try to have a presence <laughs> on cor- all the social like media. corner, like. Uh, you can find him behind the drugstore. The, 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 the court and, rolls, yeah. you know, just read the, the crime supplements. And yeah. All that. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, 
And uh, www.johnmcnee.com. Uh, also, you know, Facebook, Goodreads, mm. Amazon, Twitter, at, at the John McNee. Find me on Twitter. There you go. Um, John McNee. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. And, you know, Check buy my books. Out. I got a few of them now. Like he does. Four. John McNee's Doom Cabaret is good. So is uh, Prince of Nightmares for people who like their, their horror, please. Yes. I highly recommend Prince of Nightmares. I've mentioned that on the show before. Excellent book. Uh, Doom Cabaret. I, I like what I've read of it so far. I, mu- I must have read half those stories and all the anthologies over the years. Uh, so yeah, definitely check those out. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a show, everybody. Yeah, that's a show. <laughs> all right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Have Thanks, a wonderful everybody. evening. See you in hell. Mm-hmm.